I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And we are back. Thank you so much for waiting for those precious few seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, next film up, I guess. Uh, it's okay. Avengers Infinity War. Came out in 2018. Directed by the Rosso Brothers. And AJ, what's this... Big team-up film about the most ambitious crossover in history. Uh, I can tell you, Richard. Um, on Wikipedia, it says, In the film, the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy attempt to stop Thanos from amassing the all-powerful Infinity Stones. Um, I guess an extra add-on to that would be, because if he gets them, he can snap his fingers and wipe out half of all living creatures in the universe. This is it, everybody. This is the Infinity War. This is this is this generation's probably one of the most defining movies of this generation. Yeah, definitely of my lifetime. Yeah. And um, thank you for stalling just then while I adjusted my microphone. Mm. Um, and because we record different audio tracks, I've cut all that fumbling out and the audience are none the wiser. <laughs> we got them. Yeah. I. It's funny. I got some feedback today about our Phase 2 podcast. Really? Um, from Alex Powell at work, who was on the guest, um, guest start on the Airbud episode who mm. was like, Richard, you keep going on about how long these MCU episodes are, but they wouldn't be so long if you stopped going on about fucking SpongeBob all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, SpongeBob is this week's The Mule. Wow. I actually can't remember. Did we talk about something random at the start of this episode? It's been so long. No, we didn't. It's been- we got pretty. We, we got into it very, very- We sort of- um, We talked a bit about the, the like podcast itself and then jumped straight in. Nice. Just like we're not doing now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, Avengers Infinity War. Let's talk about it. What do you reckon it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, it'll be like 93. Ooh, way off, mate. Uh, couldn't be more Wait, wrong. No, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Okay. Is it like 86? Very close. 85? Yes. Ha, you were talking about it with Rowan the other day. <laughs> I remember. And I said it was like 86, and he was like, actually, it's 85. And I was like, 80, 85 is like 86. <laughs> and also, I said it was 86, and it was at one point. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just, a, just an example of how I can bend any conversation to me being right. Yeah. Um, and I will. Uh, so uh, that's 11th out of the whole franchise. Although I did just realise the other day that, uh, when doing this that I think the list I've been going off doesn't include Captain Marvel. So when we get into that, it'll slightly bump everything around. But Wait, so is that 11th version. on Rotten Tomatoes? Yes. Isn't it? I thought it was first on- or no, First on Letterboxd. First on Letterboxd. Okay. Um, and first Speaking on, of Letterboxd. Yeah, it's actually first on my <laughs> ranking as well. Interesting. So in my original ranking, um, I ranked it seventh. So I ranked it behind Spider-Man Homecoming, Iron Man 3, Black Panther, Iron Man, Thor Ragnarok, and Avengers. Um, And now I've ranked it third. Nice. uh, Behind Black Panther and the Avengers. I think 
It is 100% aided by binge-watching the saga up yeah, until this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so maybe that's an unfair place for me to put it on the new list. Yeah. Um, which is now complete, by the way, until, end- until we see Endgame. Nice. It's as up-to-date as it would be anyway, I guess. Um, so, yeah. So, I yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more this time. Um, I watched it wrapped up in a blanket at my friend's house. Um Everyone, you know, paid respect to the film and was very quiet and we all watched it together. You all had a moment was, of silence after the snap. Paid yeah, yeah. Um, and I think in general, I would say that my experience with Infinity War was when I first saw it, um, having no, not a huge memory of any of the films that come came before, like enough to understand the story, but not enough to like be as invested as I am now. I remember thinking like it was paced kind of weird, and I still, I do still think that. I think th- through the necessity of the story, they jump right in a lot faster than I necessarily would have had I been making the film. But maybe that's for the better. Mm. Um, but that's about the only lasting critique i had on i remember i think on the last episode i said that i didn't think it balanced characters that well i think it does i think i, I think what i was more in, uh, talking about was those pacing issues like um and that the, the examples of that would be like i don't know at one point it cuts away from thor's story and goes to iron man and spider-man's story that lasts for like a minute and then goes back to thor and it's like yeah, sure this is a weird way to um, cut between these scenes yeah I, yeah i can get because i i have written in my notes to come back to um the pacing the the balance of the characters because i think yeah, okay i can i can see we you would say there are pacing issues and stuff like that and like the the way it jumps between some of the stories um you know, if you if you were a- analyzing it, which I guess we are, it, it's not maybe not perfect, but watching it, you, you know, it actually flows quite well. I thought, and mm. uh, in terms of balance of the characters, we, we spoke about it on the phase one episode. Um, the the way that, like, you were worried going into the first Avengers, how Iron Man and Thor are going to be in the same movie, and then. You have that again, which we've seen a few times, so it's all good. But the tones of a lot of those things, of those uh, different franchises sort of changed. So, you know, Captain America stayed quite dark, whereas Thor got quite silly. But Mm. still, the stuff that was happening to him was really dark. And then, obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy is, you know, like a completely different flavor. And yeah. I think the way, yeah, they did it as best they could. And, and like, it sounds like I'm being patronizing, but they did it, They did the best possible job of making, having a scene that has like Mantis, Star-Lord, Drax, Iron Man and Spider-Man and Doctor Strange mm. all together. And it yeah. doesn't feel like, oh, he shouldn't be there or like. For sure. I think as, as I've spoken about, and I won't dwell on it because I feel like I've already said it enough leading up to this moment. I just wish- we saw someone like Spider-Man, a, a 15, 16-year-old kid from Queens, be more profoundly affected by being on an alien planet for the first time. Yeah, and, and uh, it's, I, I do agree 100% that I, I would have liked to see more of it. But there you could justify it as well by, like, uh, he there's the moment, and it's really well acted by Tom Holland, when Tony Stark knights him and says, okay, kid, you're an Avenger now. And you see his emotion change from like, oh my God, I'm so excited to like the reason I'm an Avenger now is because the universe is at stake and I need to step up. Yeah. And so he has that like childish excitement and then turns into like, okay, I need to take this seriously, which explains, you know, how he acts to all the stuff on Titan. But obviously being in a spaceship, um, being confronted with Ebony Moore, all Mm -hmm. that 
should have more of an impact on him earlier than that. Yeah, and it's funny that like the next Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Far From Home, is like, it's Spider-Man on vacation. And it's like, why would that matter? He's been to fucking space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they balance- The only the- sequel in, in, in our franchise's um, podcast's history where they do the uh, goes to space sequel before the same movie, but in a different setting sequel. <laughs> the, the escalation's backwards this time. Yeah. Um, so- Obviously, Joss Whedon didn't come back for this. He was kind of burnt out after doing Age of Ultron, which we spoke briefly about. But uh, how do you feel, you know, the Russos tackled it versus how you think maybe Joss Whedon would have? What what do you think? Mm, I think Joss Whedon's a better director. I think the the Russos directing, um, it's a lot more flavorless, I think. They might be they might be more competent or whatever, but like I can tell watching the Avengers that it's a Joss Whedon film, whereas the feeling of Russo's just feels like um, vanilla Marvel at this stage. Right. I think okay, like it's good because vanilla's you know there's nothing wrong with vanilla. Well, yeah, but it's it's no French vanilla. No, well, fuck, dude, what are we? <laughs> We're not talking about the DC EU here, Richard. <laughs> Wait, so is DC French vanilla? Sure, I was just French vanilla's a- better though. I know, I was being a. I was like making that joke that DC people think DC is better than Marvel because wow. it's not. Release the Snyder Cut. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I can track their direction decisions enough to be like, oh, that's good directing. Because mm. it kind of just feels like they facilitated all these characters and events to come to this culmination. It's not like I can't point to like the dialogue and be like, oh, that's so Russo. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. What What's a Russo brothers trait? It'd be using a, a cap and sunglasses as a disguise. That's that's the one thing I can think of as being a Russo brothers trait. That's just like celebrities do that in real life, though. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, yeah, I think. Well, they've tapped into the human experience. Exactly. Then, yeah, that's what the Russos do. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There was a video essay, and I, I can't remember. Sorry if if you are the person. No, it was um, Patrick H. Will H. Williams one, wasn't it? Uh, where oh, he talked it? about um, talked about basically the Russos having ruined Marvel, which I disagree with, but um, one interesting point that I haven't really thought about is you look at something like Avenger, the Avengers or Avengers age of Ultron. And when they're having a fight in the middle of town, you see a lot of reactions from just, you know, bystanders and it really adds to the weight of it. And also, uh, you, you know, there's just some great scenes in terms of the, it's really about the heroes protecting people and then you look at something like civil war where and it's it's deliberately for story reasons placed there but uh you know the big fight takes place in like an airport an empty airport so no mm. one's ever in danger but obviously it fits the story that they would have the fight there so they're not putting people in danger but even in in infinity war you get shots of people running away from the big spaceship coming down when it does but you then you know, you, you you don't really get the sense that innocent people are in danger. No, and you never do in, in any Marvel film, really. Yeah, like, I, there are these I mean, uh, the argument could be made that it's in Avengers and Avengers of Age of Ultron. You, yeah, you, you, but you never see a person get smushed by a building, right? Oh, it's, in it's, uh, Guardians 2, the, the blob on Earth overtakes a few people. Okay, interesting. Um, and I was also, about the-, the first Guardians of the Galaxy has the highest death like death yeah. count of any film ever. 
Wow. Um, you do see uh, in... Um, what I think what, what originally made me realize this was in Age of Ultron when Hulk rampages through South Africa yeah. and he feels real bad and it's like there's no on-screen confirmation that Hulk did or has ever killed an innocent bystander, but he would have had to, right, for him to feel as guilty as he does, surely, or as he just got real like And it's, cause it's because it's too dark to acknowledge in, 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 in an Avengers film, in like a happy Marvel yeah. film. It's too dark to acknowledge the very real consequences of how many people would die in these situations because mm. that's not fun because when that happens in real life it's not fun at all yeah let's <laughs> so- let's move on <laughs> uh so if i want you to cast your mind back to when this film was first announced so that was when marvel announced their big phase three announcement they announced mm-hmm. their announcement and it Crazy. was infinity war part one and two which was all the rage at the time mocking jay was still yet to come out mocking jay part two was still yet to come out so people- and now divergent four is still yet to come out <laughs> i actually think it's been abandoned at this point they've just yeah, they've just given up yeah what, what do you think of the whole part one thing I mean, as someone who loves titles, I just think it's boring to go part one, part two most mm. of the time. Yeah. Um, and so, obviously, yeah, you know, you got the title thing, but what was kind of your expectation for the film? Like, did you, when you announced that, were you looking forward to, did you think you were going to enjoy it? I don't, I don't know if I remember, to be honest. I remember seeing the titles for the new Captain America and the new Thor movies. Hmm. And that was about it. I, don't I guess remember you're just thinking- a title boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, um, I, I, like I said, like I've said before, I had no memory of the setting up of the Infinity Stones. All I knew that it was going to be a Thanos movie. I think. Yeah. Well, okay. Cool so think. maybe not that far back, but do you remember, like, so you know, two years ago, were you anticipating this movie very much? Um, I've I've always played it cool with Marvel. I've always been like, yeah, I'll go see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember thinking. Um, this was pre pre Spider Man Homecoming. I remember thinking like Thanos is they're 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 on the back foot because Thanos is already a boring villain. Like yep. they've already established he's boring in previous movies. So yep. it's just going to be another villain I don't care about. Hundred percent. That was real. What I was like, uh, even uh, going into the film, I was yep. like, this isn't going to be that good because. Yep. And I'd seen reviews that were like, this is Thanos' movie. Thanos is the best character. And I was like, there's no way you can make me interested in Thanos. Like, yeah. just some big CGI villain that can just, that has some world ending plan. And I, yeah, I was just like, I'm not going to be interested in it. And I think, you know, I was probably more interested in Ant Man and the Wasp at the time. No, it's not, that, that can't be true. Um, <laughs> cut that out. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, and I've said this before that Infinity War was the first film since the original Iron Man, the first MCU film since the original Iron Man to actually blow me away. Like yeah. there's been uh, there's been plenty that I've enjoyed, and I've I've used the term that I was whelmed by them, especially like mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, completely blew my expectations out of the water. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah it was it was a good film. Whereas Infinity War blew my expectations out of the water, you know? Uh, mm. I, I didn't expect to care about Thanos. I didn't expect the films to all blend because I was like, there's too many characters to cross over, you know? And yeah. for me, it, it 100% worked. Yeah, it's one of the most ambitious crossovers in, in movie history. <laughs> it is. It actually next is. To, 
next to the time that two and a half men did a crossover with CSI. Yeah. That exists. Look it up. Yeah. But it was not a, that's not a movie though. So no. Infinity War is number one in movies. CSI yeah. at what, what is it like two and a half bodies? It's like two and a half Yeah, something it's two and a half dead men or something like that. Yeah. Two and a half murders. Something dumb like that. That's the T V show equivalent of Infinity Two and a half War. deaths. Two and a half deaths. Yeah. yeah. What a fucking weird thing that, that happened. Um <laughs> <laughs> So we let's talk about Thanos. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think of him as a villain? What do you think of his plan, et cetera, et cetera? Okay, I think um, I think he's maybe my second or third favorite Marvel villain. I would say Killmonger's my favorite, um, and then Thanos and Vulture kind of, you know, battle for second place. Which is funny because they couldn't be more different worlds. Yeah, and also <laughs> if they had an actual battle, yeah, you know, it would be yeah. very one sided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, uh, I wonder if I wonder if Adrian Toome survived the snap or not. All these characters, I'm like, that's what's great about the snap is that, that it made you question every single character you've seen yeah. in the series. A question, um, what made us question us. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that later, I think, maybe. We'll talk about that later on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the, I think that it's a very ballsy motivation to give to make your villain sympathetic so if you haven't seen the film or you don't remember always saying if you haven't seen the film feels like the most redundant phrase to say when we're covering these blockbuster franchises yeah um, if you don't remember thanos's motivation his plan is that his planet died because of or died out and like his species died out or his race died out because of overpopulation and he had a plan to um unbiased like murder half of the you know unemotional unemotionally murder half of his population and he says he says in the film you know rich and poor alike so now he goes around universe well galaxy to galaxy planet to planet wiping out half of all races and now he's shortcutting it by getting the infinity stone so he can just snap his fingers and wipe out half of every every living sentient species ever i guess um and to to fix overpopulation now here is my wish list for Endgame and beyond. Okay. This is getting very continue the franchise Yeah, yeah. If they are going to, I don't know, people have been talking about, um, and I don't, you know, I don't know any spoilers, so this isn't a, a me spoiling anything. If they're going to reverse the snap, if they're going to, to because obviously I feel like everyone's on board, everyone knows they're probably going to bring all back all the snapped characters, right? We 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 i'm very i'm trying to be very tentative even though i know nothing yeah, yeah. you know it's it's like, it's like people have been saying for months that of course all the snapped characters are going to come back so in whatever capacity they reverse or defeat thanos's plan i would like to see the consequences of that because if thanos is just wrong then i feel like that is that reduces his motivation if Thanos gets defeated, snap is reversed, everyone comes back, and they, you know, that's it. And the uh, characters just go on living their lives as normal. I think that's a shame because I would like to see, and, and uh, this is this is met with a problem that um, uh, watching uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe delve into the subject of the world being overpopulated is one, not a very interesting thing to see, and two, I feel like, Thanos gets in there early and so it would take years before we actually see these consequences happen and yeah. somewhere like Earth. Um 
and I don't so I don't know what the solution to that is, but I just hope he was right. Mm. And it's just more it's more that his his execution was too ghastly for us to be able to sanction and not that he was wrong. It's it's like Killmonger, right? Like yeah. I agree with Killmonger's um, I'm sympathetic towards Killmonger, but I don't agree that with what he, how he wanted to go about it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, um, I, I don't think I agree with that. I, I think there's plenty that could be like. I think Thanos is a plenty good villain without that. Okay. Um, like, yeah, you know, I, I don't like. He's he's a mad man. He's the mad titan, you know. But madness is the problem with. Like uh, Malekith and, you know, like Madness is a cheap villain motivation. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not going to um, be like, you know, if I, if Phase 4 never deals with overpopulation, it's not going to change my opinion of Thanos as a villain. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to walk out of the theatre when Spider-Man Far From Home doesn't doesn't acknowledge the... the um, overpopulation issue that's plaguing the universe yeah uh i don't know and because you hear uh, thanos be referred to as like a sympathetic villain a lot of the time uh, he's more empathetic mm-hmm. um because you can understand why he feels that way but you don't agree with him um yeah. i mean maybe you do i don't know um thanos did nothing wrong yeah uh but yeah no like he, he, you you're uh, he's a good villain because you're able to put yourself in his shoes and it's the film very well communicates why he's you know why he's doing it, what he is yeah and it as you say it communicates it it communicates what could have been a jumbled or bungled execution very well yeah um and i think that's key to, it's not just knowing his plan it's how you're told his his plan and his motivation that makes him yeah makes it a good movie and a good villain yeah and and i think the it's whether or not it's not about whether or not he's right it's 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 about the fact that he thinks he's right that yeah. he's yeah you know i i don't i, I don't want to hear about overpopulation again after this movie no well okay it's not necessarily i want him to be right but i want him to be i want him to be proven wrong there that's a better way to put it i want him to be proven wrong hmm. because that i need closure to his to his plan basically is right, what i'm okay. saying and what whatever like you can look at someone like Ultron as proven wrong, you know, and that completes his character arc. They, you know, when he's like, you know, in hindsight, and then gets beaten up again. It's like <laughs> that's what, com- like, I don't know. With when your villain is famous for being sympathetic or empathetic because of their plan, I think their plan deserves as much closure as, or the their plan's closure is intrinsically tied to their character's closure, mm. even if that closure is no closure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, what uh, you mentioned, Thanos did nothing wrong. Do you want to explain that? What? What? Okay. What? So after Infinity War came out, there was a subreddit called Thanos did nothing wrong. Um, and I, by the way, when I pronounce Thanos's name, I say it different every time. Um, I, sometimes I say Thanos. The nose. The nose. Um. So yeah, Thanos did nothing wrong. The subreddit was basically like a sub just for memes about how Thanos was right. And it was, you know, relatively inconsequential. And then they started this initiative. You probably remember this if you're listening to it. But if you, anyway, yeah, I um, remember. I'm just getting you to yeah, tell the audience. Yeah, yeah. They 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 started an initiative to get the mods of Thanos did nothing wrong to ban half the members from from the sub. Um, and you know, sort of like a tribute to Thanos's plan to eradicate half the universe. And so he 
they they did it and they set it up and it was like a Twitch live stream and the way you qualified was if you posted something in the sub, you were eligible to be banned. And people were going nuts. People wanted to get banned, you know? Hmm. Like it was it was people were like, ban me daddy Thanos and <laughs> stuff like that. And um I I posted in there, I, I got in, into it, got a part of it, so and I watched I. the live stream. Yep. And then I got a, a private message on on Reddit telling me I'd been I'd been banned, <laughs> and uh, I'm the. Uh, despite it apparently being a fifty-fifty split of users, I'm the only person I know who got banned. Really? For, who was who was on Thanos did nothing wrong? Yeah, yeah. I um I, I I got safe. Yeah, but I kind of like. I feel like getting banned was the cooler, <laughs> the cooler option than getting safe. So now I'm in a in a subreddit called In the Soulstone, which you can only enter into if you are banned from Thanos did nothing wrong. Um. And it's way cooler, and we share better memes in there. <laughs> um, and also, um, one of the, the Russos both have accounts on Reddit and had posted in there, and one of them got snapped, and the other one didn't. How perfect! Yeah. How perfect! And like, it? like Josh Brolin got in on it, and was like yeah. posting videos of him like shirtless in bed, being like, "Hey, it's it's me." Yeah, yeah. Um. And it's great. I love being. I love being snapped. I think it's a. It's a great. It's a great little title to have. I think I have a have a badge on Reddit now that oh. says I've been snapped. Um, can we talk about the snap? That yeah. seems like a natural progression yeah. from Thanos. Or the to click, about the as you once called it. I once called it the click, and I will again. I'm sure. <laughs> um, so I remember initially going in. I was like, is it literally a snap? Because when Gamora outlines the stakes earlier in the film and she's like, he can eradicate half the universe just by snapping his fingers. I was like- Just by snapping, I'm Gamora. Just by- <laughs> um, I was like, is, surely that's just a way she's like showing the metaphor. Yeah. You know, it's metaphorical, but then he literally snaps his fingers, um, which I don't have a problem with because the snap is one of the sole reasons why I think this movie- rose up the ranks in terms of what i liked about it because at the time i didn't have the foresight to realize that the snap is will be is and maybe will be the most defining pop cultural moment till we get the next one <laughs> till we get the next yeah. defining pop but maybe, maybe like, even of the just of this de- decade yeah like that is the because it's different from the 360 shot in the avengers which is about imagery like the snap is a moment that we all shared that everyone who saw this movie and was involved in pop culture shared. Right. And until tomorrow, until, um, for a whole year, nobody knew the, the true ramifications of the snap, you know? And so for that reason, I think it's really this. Yeah. This is the, no, I am your father moment. This is the, yeah, I watched. I think I mentioned this before on on our most disappointing of twenty eighteen episode. That I watched an IMDb Kevin Smith breakdown where he re- yeah he referred to the snap as the b- single biggest piece of pop culture given to us in decades, basically. Mm. And I think that's a really that's really important. And because it's important, it's it's I respect the movie more now because it it, kn- yeah. it knew that not only was it going to be a big movie. But it also knew it had to give something that would last with in the world and the zeitgeist, mm, and also the imagery of everyone turning to dust after it as well. Yeah, yeah. It's not just like that; they just you know snap, they disappeared. It's this slow, beautiful mm. thing. It's it's. Yeah. Do you want to know my head canon for why they turned to dust? Yes, this might be real canon, and I just haven't looked because I was thinking I was like, why do you need all the stones for this specific 
power, right? Yeah. Because, you know, surely you could stop half the half the world existing with the reality stone or half yeah. the universe. And so my, my, my canon is it's the, specifically the time stone is is a main player here because that's one of the last ones he gets and the time stone um when he snaps his fingers what it's doing is fast forwarding rapidly fast forwarding the lifespan of every every living creature so when they're turning to dust that's actually them decomposing really fast yeah you know because it's time is being because yeah they 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 turn to ash, really. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So, um, and the, maybe re- reality is involved in the sense that they, um, it's it, that's making it so that it, that's what makes it half and not everyone. Like that's what controls the snap, maybe, and maybe like the mind stone um, is what removes the the victims, the snapped uh, minds from the because he's merciful, right? He doesn't want to hurt people. And so mm. maybe the mind is what what alters that, and space is how he he removes their matter from existence. Um, power is, I guess, just the power of it happening in general. Um, yeah, yeah. What's the other one? I'm missing one. Um, Who cares? Well, yeah. So there, there's actually this is a, a, a spoken about thing. Okay. Um, so the power stone, and so like it's it's about how each of them we see used in the film and then a possible theory so power stone uh it's a fountain of raw destructive force uh he uses it to unleash beams of energy and also we've seen people um people grab a hold of it and kind of you know disintegrate in a similar yeah. thing to ash so um the the power stone could be used mainly to amplify the five other stones mm-hmm. just a, a, oh, yeah. and like you know give them more power I love that. and like from localized to on the universe um we don't see the time stone used much in the film but we saw it in doctor strange but um this this theory i'm reading here given that the once the snap occurs everyone begins to experience the effects at seemingly the same time or similar time on earth and on titan i would put forward that the time stone was used to synchronize the effect among all affected beings so do you not have beings going months or years without being affected this is made possible due to the added benefits granted by the power stone yeah i i like i like your one a little bit better that it's like I like no, know, I like that one better because that's like really? that takes into account like time vortexes in the in the universe and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. I like it better too. Um, <laughs> so space stone is quite similar. It goes Thanos dominion over space. He can change the physical properties of objects or move objects. Blah blah blah. Um, and he can teleport. So a straightforward application of the space stone would be to cause the snap to affect the entire universe rather than the localized area. Yeah. This is made possible due to the added benefits by the power stone. This is great. Did you find this because uh, I mentioned it, or did you planned to? read this out um, which would you prefer uh i don't want to believe you googled thanos gauntlet infinity stones a day before endgame comes out so i'm thinking <laughs> this planned <laughs> um so the reality stone uh we see the effects of it um in the movie you've got some of them are temporary like um the blaster turning to bubbles and drax and mantis change form um and he casts the illusions on nowhere and titan about mm-hmm. what they look like um so it's essentially as long as he's using the stone he can do those effects um the reality stone it says it would seem that it was used to transform those affected by the snap from their original form into dust uh normally this would be a temporary effect however with the benefit of the power stone the effects are made permanent plus all the other stones as well yeah this is like Asimov's three rules of robotics. Like they all integrate <laughs> together. 
Yeah. Um, so the soul stone. Now this is where the explanations get a little interesting because we do not have much, much actual information drawn because it's the last introduced infinity stone. We don't see it used as much. Um, he actually only uses it twice inside the film outside of the snap once to locate Doctor Strange when he's doing the multi, you know, there's 50 Doctor Stranges. You see the soul stone light up and that's how he identifies the correct Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um, and then again, when he repels Drake's Quill and Nebula during the fight. Don't know why it needs to be the soul stone there, but mm. um, so yeah, first case he's uh, using it to find Dr. Strange's soul. Second case, it says, given that Nebula survives the snap, but Gwyll and Drax don't, I can only speculate, but one explanation could be that Thanos used the soul stone to deliberately prevent the snap from affecting Nebula as Nebula is Thanos's final child, regardless of how much Thanos despises her, she's still his kid. Hmm, I don't know if I like that one because that's that makes it less random, which is the whole yeah, point. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, I, it's it's more just like why is it the soul stone? But I mean, maybe every stone, because of the power of it, can emit some kind of blast. Maybe the soul stone is what um, the, these people aren't just dead; they are gone from existence. Yeah, and maybe, well, maybe the soul in a kind of like a you know afterlifey kind of way yeah. is 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 you know doing that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, using the first case with Doctor Strange, I'd seen the logical usage of the soul stone of the snap was to locate all of the souls in the universe to establish the total amount of souls which could be affected. Oh, well, that's that's a way better explanation. <laughs> yeah. Um, it says, using the above Nebula example, it is possible that Nebula was deliberately excluded from this calculation, much like Thanos himself was. And it has been confirmed that Thanos was exempt from the snap. Wow. That's crazy. Because uh, that would have been, imagine that, yeah. like everyone turns to dust and then Thanos does. That would have been. And that would be fucking terrifying because it's like, you what, what the fuck do we actually do now? <laughs> like always- if, 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 this, if the Infinity Stones disappeared with them. Yeah. That'd be such an insane setup for Endgame. Imagine if Thanos, if Thanos died and he's just like Josh Brolin's never in another Marvel movie. Like that's the genuine mm. death of the character. That'd yeah. be so interesting. Um. I, yeah, I, I like the idea that the souls are responsible for locating every soul in the universe because, mm. like, plants don't have souls and you don't see all the mm. half the and plants are living, but you don't see half the plants disappear. So I reckon, I reckon that's what the, no, that's totally what it is. The soul is to dif- differentiate between sentience and like just living and life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so finally we had the Mind Stone. We know from Age of Ultron that when the Mind Stone was examined, it came across like a super advanced, highly compact supercomputer. It is known to grant mind control powers, increased intelligence, along with generating materials for vision, such as cloaks and human appearances and firing beams of energy. For the explanation of the usage of the stone, we are going to lean into the first usage, that of the supercomputer. It would stand to reason that the soul stone, uh, if the soul stone were to create a list of all souls in the universe, this data set would be ridiculously large and dense. Um, As such, even for rather basic operations, you would need a lot of processing power to interact with it, much less make make logical decisions. This is where the mind stone comes in, as it is a supercomputer operating at the same level as the other infinity stones. If the soul stone was used to cast the largest net possible and generate a full list of those who could possibly be affected by the snap, the mind stone was used to comb through that list and randomly decide which 50% should be affected and which would not. Of course, because the mind is sentient. So it's, this is a, where is this list? Give it a shout out. What is it? Uh, this is, um, so someone um, posted, <laughs> someone posted on Marvel Studios, um, RGT 
XD26 posted one, a very short, you know, explanation of what they thought happened. And then one of the comments, which has one point, two now that I've just upvoted it, uh, Modification102 on Reddit says, sorry to say, um, but I actually think you're wrong. And this is what they wrote. That is so cool. And I think that, um, yeah, the, the Mindstone... I was going to make a joke that it's just the RAM. It's just the processing power that allows yeah. the, the gauntlet to work. But it's not. No, it is it is the subjective... It's the algorithm. Yeah, it's it's the subjective... Um, yeah, yeah, okay, it's the algorithm. So the, the, the soul stone is what goes, these are souls. The algorithm is what goes, these are the 50% we're eradicating. Mm. And then the power stone is able to... Is the processor, you know, yeah. that... that. Um, and because we... The... the uh, the, the snap is what what's is you know using all the stones at one hundred percent power as well because yeah. we see him like do blast with them but once he's done the full snap his arm and the gauntlet are, are shattered yeah you know um, and like he uses uh, four stones at one point we see when he's only got five of them and you know it doesn't seem to that extraneous so using all six really took it out of the stones and. I think that's again. That's quite a cool thing going into end game. Is that if, is the gauntlet destroyed? Really, mm. that's so cool. That's the coolest conversation we've had on this podcast. <laughs> and it's not like not even our idea. It's like someone yeah. else's idea. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I, I do also want to mention. I was watching a thing about like um, I was reading about you know the the actual Infinity Gauntlet comic, which is it's actually um, the the movie's based more on Infinity Gauntlet than Infinity War, but the we'll talk about the final shot of the film and, the, and also kind of lean into which we, we teased like an episode or two ago about um, a, like a, com- a more comic book accurate mm, Thanos. Good. Um, because do, do you know much about Thanos's motivation in the comic? Yes. I know all about it. <laughs> I know. Well, bloody you're, blow you're, me down. You're mate. not going to surprise me here. Thanos in the graphic novels and in, in the comic universe is in love with death, like the specter of death. Yeah. And so his motivation in the comic is that he just wants to impress death. Yeah, and um, which is so death, much less interesting than what we get in the movie. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, but um, and death is like obsessed with Deadpool because Deadpool's immortal, and so Thanos is like got a crush. Thanos is like the nerd that has a crush on death, who has a crush on the jock, <laughs> and so I think um, Thanos was the one that cursed Deadpool with immortality so that he could never be with death. Ah. This is you know all across like a bunch of different yeah. shit, but um, then. Uh, it's interesting because you talk about Thanos needs to be proven wrong or you know or, or proven right, essentially. But you know the end of the of Infinity War, which is Thanos, he says uh, he says earlier in the film, like, well, what are you going to do after? And he says, watch the sunset on a great grateful universe, mm. uh, which is a great little bit. And then it's at the end later on, he's on this like farm planet because the in garden, the garden, I believe it's called. Yeah, yeah. In the comics, he becomes a farmer after doing this, and the the comic ends on the same um on the same shot essentially but the emotion is very different because it's the the snap's been reversed or whatever and it's essentially thanos sitting there thinking like fuck that actually was the wrong thing to do yeah like the snap you know i actually like it's basically him realizing he was wrong and accepting that you know controversial okay so it's interesting yeah like one the movie uses it as like well i've achieved my goal i'm the greatest person alive whereas the movie the comic is like wow actually you know i shouldn't have done this yeah the um when alexander the great had no places left to conquer he just cried 
Um, yeah. So you bring up comic book accurate because in the Avengers post credit scene, yes. Um, what's his, the other? I think his name is. Yeah, the, the other. The, yeah. the other says to him to to basically says to mess with Earth is to court death. And Thanos goes. And a Thanos is like <laughs> Thanos literally gets a, a, a boner because he wants to court death because he's in love with death. Um, mm. Yeah. So whatever. I mean, that's not what we yeah. got in the film, and that's fine. That's better. It's better yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't have to be. You know, it's not like the film. The Avengers post credits and explicitly sets up that this will be his motivation. Yeah, yeah. It's more just a fun wink and a nod. But clearly, they didn't. I don't think they knew they were mm. necessarily going to ditch that. Because I think what time. the thing. One of the other things I like about Thanos is I don't even necessarily view him as a bad person necessarily. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do. But like, one. What one, if he's just a cool dad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, his worst crime is actually that he's a bad dad. Yeah, because everything and that, also killing half of the universe. No, but killing half the universe is, is a um objective needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few kind of vibe, right? Being a bad dad is being a bad dad. It's not there's no honor in that. Um, but what I was going to say is what my favorite line in the film, and it's in one of the trailers, which was kind of a bummer, is just before he's about to like decimate Tony Stark, he says to him, "I hope they remember you." Oh my god, I love that I scene. love that line because it's basically like. Thanos being like, I don't have any ill will towards you. Like, I have to kill yeah. you because you're trying to stop me. But, you know, no hard actually, feelings. Yeah, I respect I, you. I respect you, yeah. yeah. And it's um, oh, it's such a good moment because it's also it, it's it's a great threat as well. Mm. Like, it, it's very condescending. That's, it also, like, yeah. promises I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And, but it, it's condescending but also shows respect. It's Yeah, it's the condescending that, that makes my skin crawl. Imagine yeah. you're, tr- you're, like- in a fight with someone who you like you don't you don't only want to fight them but like your ideals that richard you're fighting someone whose fundamental ideals are the opposite of yours right whatever those ideals are and as they're defeating you like and you hate to be proven wrong right you hate to be defeated (laughs) they've got you pinned and the the last thing they say to you before they deliver like the the crippling blow that you know that means they win and you lose is i hope they remember you it's like fuck <laughs> off, bro. Shut the fuck up, you asshole. Don't even talk to like it's so. Yeah. Oh, I would it would make me go insane if someone did yeah, that. Yeah, he me. has some great lines as well. Like I like his first line as well. Mm. I know what it like it's like to lose mm. to feel so desperately that you're right and to yep. lose and to it's the same thing. All the yeah. same. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and also like. The fact that he knows what it's like to lose is another like bit of depth to his character mm. as well. Even to feel so desperately that you're right. Ah, oh, shut up, shut up. <laughs> Sorry. Like he's so angry, but that's why he's such a good mm. villain. Because you respect him and you hate him. Fuck, he's a good villain, eh? It's like dawning yeah. on me now, like how complex not only he is, but your your emotions as an audience member are towards yeah. him. Because it's like yeah. usually you can't really balance sympathetic with love to hate. Those are usually <laughs> opposite, but this is kind of the perfect marriage of those two, those yeah. two like villain strongholds. And also, yeah, like again, it's the this the, this film has no right being as good as it is. Mm, sure, for like sure, Thanos, yeah. Thanos has no right being this interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, should we before we move on? Are we going to move on from Infinity War? Yeah. Should we just? Do you want to rattle off any are there any other like what like I feel like the the decimation, everyone disappearing, watching that for the first time, I was actually like. Jesus Christ! (laughs) Like, of course they're coming back. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. But uh, I did enjoy that the, you know, the bits before 
people saw it were like, who's going to die? Oh, it'll be the the OG Avengers. And it's like, yeah. it's actually, they're the only ones that live. <laughs> all, yeah. You know, all but, all but, is it like Ant-Man and Rocket Raccoon are like the only- And Nebula. And Nebula are the only gen, post-gen one Avengers who survived yeah. the snap. Yeah. That's so Remember, cool. I'd love to see, I, I, like, I would love to- chat with the russos or like be in the room when they like you know put all the characters up on a board and went yes no yes black panther the most money we've ever made <laughs> on a yeah. film let's kill that character off <laughs> yeah but like because uh, people are like oh did you know that they didn't know how big black panther was going to be and they've said they regret i was like no they fucking fuck off well yeah, it doesn't matter does it because he wasn't cast in the movie anyway so. yeah but um like, because they said it like it literally is like like a tournament, and they they did the same thing with Civil War, where it was like you have the two teams, and then you go through the heroes and talk out which side they would be on, like what what the internal dilemma of that character would be essentially, yeah. and which team they would end up joining, and um, like yeah, seeing them plan for Endgame and be like, okay, what characters do we need to have an Endgame, and because obviously they want it to be like a swan song for the OG six, yeah, and then they're like deciding which of the Guardians should be left over or whatever, mm. um. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, but I also love speaking, getting to the end of the film now. Um, I love that the after the post credit scene, it says Thanos will return. Yeah, because Thanos That's is so moving. funny. Yeah, and it's such like a fuck you to the audience as well. Before before um before we got as much information through trailers as as we got for Endgame, I was like convinced that. Avengers Infinity War was going to be Thanos' movie and Avengers Endgame was going to be Ant-Man's movie. And, <laughs> like, because he's the one, you know, the last we saw Ant-Man, which we'll get to in just a second, is that he's, like, trapped in a place where he can theoretically time travel and it was going to mm. be like, oh, Ant-Man's the key to all of this. <laughs> which he might still be. Which he might still be, yeah. But I don't think he's the... Because we haven't seen Endgame. We want to make that clear. Yeah, yeah and I think, because... I think Captain, it's very Captain America light infinity war yeah and yeah. so in the same way that it's because i okay if i was to generalize i would say the main characters other than thanos and in infinity war would be iron man and thor yeah and then every yeah. it, like the 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 uh wakanda storyline is a ensemble right yeah. and so i would in my in my symmetrical brain i hope that iron man should st- i i think iron man as the guy who started it all should remain as essential to the story as he was in Infinity War, but swap out Cap's importance for Thor's importance, right? Yeah. So Captain America is the the second main character, while Thor takes more of the still in the movie but doesn't do as much like C- Captain America had in, in Infinity War. Mm. Um, one other thing as well, sorry, we'll, we'll get we'll, we will move on. I yeah. promise. Um, is that you're the famous you should have gone for the head kind of thing so thor throws stormbreaker and it hits thanos in the chest but uh one interesting thing and, and i hope that this you know weighs on thor's conscience and Endgame is that like the russos have confirmed that he it wasn't just like oh you know he was throwing from a long way away it just happened to hit him in the chest it was like thor wanted to gloat he wanted thanos to know that he was the one killing him. So it was like this selfish, like ego driven decision not to aim for the head. Right. And now half the universe is dead because he wanted to, mm. you know. Is it Thor's serve fault or Star Lord's fault? Oh, yeah. That, that's another. Actually, sorry. That's like a huge thing I wanted to talk about is um, almost every stone that Thanos gets, someone else 
uh, decides to save someone instead of getting a stone. Interesting. You know? So, like, he gets, um, like, the time stone. Uh, Doctor Strange says, no, no, spare Tony. I'll give you that. Um, Star-Lord at first can't bring himself to to kill Gamora. So, that's kind of how she gets the soul, oh, yeah. how he gets the soul yeah. stone. Loki. Loki and, and Thor and, and- Yeah, Loki Hulk. and Thor, yep. Um, at the start with the space stone. And- Thanos is the only one who's actually willing to sacrifice something to, to achieve his goal. Oh, what a- it's like a puzzle piece. Like, a yeah, but it, it is like where every single- there's so many points in the movie where someone chooses a person over the goal. And like the Mind Stone as well, That that's vision done at the last second because they want to to protect Vision. Yeah. And, you know, Cap says, we don't trade lives, um, Vision. Yeah. And because, you know, we're not gonna, we're not going to let you die to save- half of the universe <laughs> which is um even though he's volunteering to die yeah but um yeah that, so that, that's really cool and that adds to thanos's character a lot i think as well that y- you know it, everyone let their emotions get in the way of mm. achieving their goals and thanos is the only one that didn't and that's yeah. why he deserves to achieve yeah, yeah. his goal and the whole the part one versus part two discussion um and like the film indiana cliffhanger the russos say like it doesn't need enough cliffhanger, you know. It's about Fan- a character who struggles against the and odds then achieves and, his, and, and makes makes the ultimate sacrifice and then achieves his goal because of it. Yeah. And then that's it. The end. He yeah. sits down and watches watches the sunset on a peaceful, so cool. on a grateful um, universe. Star Lord, Star Lord, losing his emotions when he find out finds out that Gamora's dead and fucking up the plan so that they can't get the gauntlet. That what like if they hadn't acknowledged in some way, like it's good that Star Lord's snapped. Because mm. otherwise, that's a heavy price to pay on his conscience if yeah. he was alive. And I think that because uh, Chris Pratt released a video where he was playing with like Lego versions of his his various different characters, and yeah. they they when he's being like Owen from Jurassic World, and he's like, "Shut up, Star Lord! You're the reason half the universe is dead," or something like that. And I was like, yeah. "I'm glad that it's not like something the writers hoped." We would buy. We would, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like, oh, but but Gamora died, so you know he made the right decision. It's like, no, nah, I think, and I'd like to see more of it in Endgame, at mm. least an acknowledgement of like how close they got before Star Lord did a career-ending decision of <laughs> yeah. of losing. But his it goal. is that you know everyone else chose emotion over, mm. and because Star Lord's essentially just a man-child as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and also this is after. Doctor Strange, because we have to keep this in mind yeah. as well. Doctor Strange saw fourteen million six hundred and five possible outcomes of the fight, and you know, presumably he saw an ending where Star Lord didn't do that, or where he stopped Star Lord from doing that. And obviously, it's not the one that yeah. you know he wanted to happen because, like, Doctor Strange could have easily intervened because he's one of, if not the most powerful character in the film, and so that's so, that's yeah. such a clever decision. To um, have that, have him, have that, have into, him yeah. know what the future is, but then kill him off before he can do anything about it. Yeah. And like, actually, it's one of the best um, plot hole blocks I've ever seen. Like, if Doctor <laughs> yeah. Strange knew, and because because he has to know, otherwise you're furious at at his yeah. decision, at Star Wars decision, yeah. as well as Doctor Strange's decision to give over the times at Time Stone. You'll yeah. be furious at that. So he has to know that that's the only way. And then you go, well, surely they've got it in the bag now because Doctor Strange can just tell them what to do next and then kill them off. It's like, ah, oh, that is that's that's real good screenwriting. That is that mm. is a that is a draft three 
saving moment you know like by the third draft they were like oh what about this and they put that in there which saves so much of of uh, what could be a very legitimate criticism with the film yeah all right well that's almost all we have to say about avengers infinity war did not plan to talk this long about it um what's another hour in a a six hour podcast (laughs) uh one thing i do want to say is another piece of I say another, but I can't remember how many we've done, if any, already. But uh, a randomly placed piece of useless statistics. Uh, This is our third franchise in which a simple hand gesture, uh, or a hand gesture, I'll say, uh, is used to end life, Mm -hmm. um, either between uh, one person and half the population of the universe, (laughs) um, following... The five-point palm exploding heart technique from Kill Bill and uh, what's it called? The Skadoosh. Yeah, the Skadoosh from Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> um, it, it does have a name, but anyway, the the Skadoosh. Skadoosh. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So that's that's that. And moving on to Ant Man and the Wasp. Is Ant Man and the Wasp the most poorly placed? entry in the mcu oh i is it the poorly placed useless statistics of the mcu <laughs> um i actually hold that thought yeah we'll come back to that in just over an hour i'm sure okay. um <laughs> i'm i have no idea why it would be in just over an hour <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i do actually want to talk about its placing in the mcu but i want to talk about you know, to talk greater about placing in the MCUs. Okay. So we'll put a pin in that and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bloody, we'll come back to it, eh? Mm. So this was directed by Peyton Reed, as was the first one. His, uh, you know, his first Ant-Man movie where he got to do it from the ground up and not just take over Edgar Wright. Um, and, because 50% and- of his Ant-Man movies, he had to do that. <laughs> um, what's this one about, Mon Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so... Uh, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, the titular pair work with Hank Pym to retrieve Janet Van Dyne from the quantum realm. These synopses are like deliciously sweet and short, but also yeah. but also leaves enough. out a lot. And who, who's the villain in this? The villain is, is well, there's a couple of villains. The, the like comic book villain is Ghost, who is a, I believe she's an Iron Man villain in the comics. I think I and a male in the comics, mm. but in this, she's a female Ant-Man villain um, who was like involved in a quantum entanglement explosion when she was a little girl and can now phase through walls, essentially. Yeah. And there's also Sunny Birch. Yeah. Sunny um, Birch, played by Walton Goggins. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, in this one, we meet uh, Janet, who is played by Michelle Pfeiffer. The Fife's, uh, the Fife's, and uh, the young uh, Ed Wasp was. You don't see her face in the first one, but you see like her eyes. She was cast because of her Michelle Pfeiffer like eyes, and because <laughs> she was the like dream cast for the sequel. Mm. Um, although Michael Douglas wanted uh, Catherine Zeta Jones, who's really? his wife, and then um, <laughs> I wonder, like the studio exec that had to be like, um, the age difference would be really creepy. <laughs> Or yeah, or like, how would Catherine Zeta Jones be Evangeline Lilly's mother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless 
<laughs> that would Let, be the height. Let's get of, into let's get into this now. Um, that would be the height of um, of celebrity embarrassment, as if they had to age up digitally, age up Catherine Zeta Jones, so that she is of an appropriate age to be Michael Douglas's wife. <laughs> yeah, um, let's get into this now. Th- this film is fucking weird. <laughs> it does a lot of it has a lot of weird decisions and. A lot of like shortcuts. I said in the first when we were talking about the first Ant Man that I kind of love that they don't really follow their own rules, and it's kind of this fun little mm. you know thing. But it, there's a lot of frustrating stuff in this because I think the film could be a lot better for it. You know, mm. they they joke in the film that it's like Are you guys just saying quantum before yeah. everything, and it making it sound better. But like, um, oh, where to begin? So why don't we begin at the general consensus of this film? Yeah, or, and even our consensi. Yeah, very good. And so, what we'll do you think this has it. on Rotten Tomatoes, Richard? Um, ah, uh, like eighty-eight. It actually has one hundred and one percent. It is the <laughs> highest-rated film ever to be on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, yeah, no, it has eighty-eight, which puts it above Infinity War. It's tenth. <laughs> That's such a funny anomaly of the um of the of Rotten Tomatoes. I ranked it eighteenth out of twenty-one, and yep. my original ranking. I ranked it 16th, um, so similar ranking, basically. Yeah. I put it just above, just below Civil War and just above the first Ant-Man, and now I've ranked it 14th, so it's inexplicably risen, uh, <laughs> but I think it's more that there are films that are worse than it. So yeah. I put it one step behind Ant-Man, uh, and I'm not going to say what it's one step in front of. Mm. Because that's a spoiler um, yeah, I- of the literally only other film we have left to talk about. <laughs> I uh, yeah, Ant Man was was this was one of those weird films that it wasn't until I was ranking it that I was like, it wasn't that great. Like, I I really enjoyed it, but and it happened again with another film that maybe we'll get to. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll get to. We'll just call it off before then. Um, that yeah, it was it was when putting them up against all the other films, I was like, ah, uh, actually, like just all these other films are better than it. Yeah, and to uh, when with especially with Marvel. We, it's so hard to rank some of them because you feel the same about so many of them, whether for, for yeah. better or for worse. And so it starts to get become one of those things where it's a mathematical equation, right? Like mm. if it's at this, if it's if it's on par with Ant Man, does it have anything that makes it better than Ant Man, or does it have anything that makes it worse than Ant Man? And I rationalized that because Ant Man has the Thomas the Tank Engine climax, and because Ant-Man and the Wasp has probably the most egregious example of a character experiencing the extraordinary, uh, but not reacting like it's extraordinary, and the fact that they find Janet Van Dyne in the quantum realm, where she's been presumably alone for 30 years, and she's like, hey guys, how are you? And it's like, are you fucking serious? Yeah. You would go crazy. Yeah. Um, and also, well, let, well, let's let this be a segue into what we're going to talk about next. Potentially, you're running this. I'm just deciding for <laughs> you. Um, the villain, the villain of Ghost, is it feels like a clinical. Yeah. You can see the you can see the brainstorming to make her a sympathetic villain. Yeah, they're coming it, it off does the back not of, work for me at all. Yeah, they're coming off the back of ego, of vulture, of um. Thanos. Uh, Thanos, you know, of like Killmonger. literally off the bat, like a month after Thanos. Yeah, and and you know, people are saying, "Oh, Marvel finally gets it. Marvel finally knows how to make a good villain." And then this is the 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 like, um, 
the person who's not as good of a writer looking at how they did and being like, oh, so this is all you need to do. It's copying the homework without the heart. Yes, it's copying the homework. That's the perfect way to put it. Yeah, it's very, um, yeah, it's clinical. It's um, you give them this, 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 and this. And I mean, I'm sorry, but part of that's down to Hannah John Carmen's acting. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I like, I didn't sell, they didn't sell that as well as maybe, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, someone like Michael B. Jordan did. And yeah, it, it's literally just they've ticked all the boxes, but they haven't like connected the dots <laughs> to put two things you do yeah, there's, together. There's just no, there's no spirit in it. Um, yeah. Because- Although one, one thing I will say about the villain that I, I like is the uh, like it's obviously the way it was filmed that they presumably got her to film a scene four or five times and then kind of just like overlay the different yeah. takes and it, it's a really cool effect and yeah that's her phasing in and out of um uh whatever dimension reality yeah. whatever it is but no i like that too because i the best the, the nicest thing i can say about ghost as a villain is that her set of powers feels very on brand for an ant-man film like mm. she's a better villain than yellow jacket <laughs> you know it's the better villain of the two um ant-man movies and so yeah a movie a movie where the main the main kind of gimmick is that the characters can change their size. Um, someone who can phase through walls feels like a, a, a reasonable opponent to put them up yeah. against. So anyway, her her backstory, the reason why she's sympathetic is, is you find out that like she, after this quantum explosion that made her, that gave her this phasing in and out of reality, she's got like a finite amount of time left to stay alive. And she has to work out how to, how to fix that in the way it's the way yeah, she- Yeah, well, so, so essentially her, like every molecule in her body is being ripped apart constantly. Yeah. And um, the, 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 the thing is she needs to extract Janet's quantum energy that she's absorbed from having been in the quantum realm for 30 years, but that will kill Janet. Yeah, it's like um, stem cells, quantum stem cells, essentially. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's- it's all very convenient. Uh, it's all very. It's so complicated you don't bother asking, <laughs> but it's also very convenient. I mean, a lot of Marvel is very convenient. Yeah. I think. But, but um, yeah. so that's that's quite a moral quandary for our heroes, mm. Um, mm. and and especially it's a great motivation for the villain. Um, but then when Janet finally leaves the quantum realm, uh, she just uses her quantum powers she's got over the last thirty years and just fixes ghost meaning that the so this is bad this is a bad moment of screenwriting because your problem should never have been like if if you have a character characters who are in conflict because they have a problem they need solving it's not good storytelling for the solution being if you'd just waited you would have been fine Uh, yeah no it's also the like one of the pixar rules of storytelling that like um coincidences to get your heroes into trouble are fun and and Mm. you know whereas coincidences to get them out of trouble is lazy and it's essentially just like oh janet happened to develop these powers that we had no Mm. inkling she was going to develop yeah and she's also fine and not not literally a feral person. Yeah, and she's and her hair and makeup's done perfectly. I actually can't get over that. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, I wish Spider Man reacted to being in space, but it's like this woman has been isolated in a like at least you know what space is. At least you know what a planet is. Yeah. This woman's been in the middle of of like just this nebulous void for <sighs> most of her life. For half of her life. Yeah. And 
she's fine. It's inexplicable. Yeah. In, in the third Ant-Man movie, they have to be like, actually, there was a whole society of micro creatures yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, like, 100%. They have or, to. Or they explore it in Endgame with, with Ant-Man being stuck there. Uh, if they don't, it's actually like... It, that baffles me that they that they that this this got past the first draft. Well, okay. or at least put her in, in some kind of stasis for that time. Yeah, yeah. But then the thing is, she's aged up. Like, yeah. So cast 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 Catherine Zeta Jones, and then have her not have aged and while she was in there. <laughs> That's excellent. That's yeah. so much better. <laughs> like, but uh they just they wanted to have Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer together, and it's it's like. Because I was so the whole film, I was like, "Man, I can't wait to um, what how what state she's going to be in." And it's like, "Oh, she's she's actually just fine." Um, yeah. But okay, here's how you fix that. It's not <laughs> hard. Okay, when I first saw Ant Man and the Wasp, my biggest issue with it, and it's the same issue I had with um, Suicide Squad. Well, I had a lot of issues with Suicide Squad. It's one of the issues I had when watching it is in Suicide Squad, um, the the team teams up and they go on a mission together, and then. Uh, the film ends. Whereas in that kind of film, uh, and like Avengers kind of does it, you see the, the team teaming up to do something and then they have the final battle. So we need to see the team get put together, not work, and then learn to work together for the final yeah. thing. Whereas it's, it's just one mission. And also that mission starts about halfway through or even just before halfway through the film. Whereas in Ant-Man of the Wasp, I, it was the same thing. The The third act of the film starts just after halfway. And so it's it's this big chase scene. And I quite liked, again, like how I liked in the first Ant-Man, that it's a small scale thing where it's more about the personal stakes rather than world eating stakes. This one is just a car chase. It's, it's, it's basically a game of hot potato or like reverse hot potato where you want to be holding onto it. Like, yeah, but the, yeah. the one defense I'll give it is that uh, it plays a lot with giant man. And yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that's the the answer to what's what's the what's the like next step up from the Thomas the Tank Engine sequence? What if he was giant in the city? Yeah, yeah, no, and like yeah, that, that's not all my problem. I'm saying okay. like I like the fact that it's not all oh, the world's going to end. It's like you know, it's a sure. it's okay, personal yeah, stakes yeah, yeah. and and doing and having like a chase is is fun as well rather yeah. than just like a, a fight. Um, but. Yeah, I, I remember I got to a point in the film where I would like, I'd like look at my watch. I'd be like, "This chase needs to end soon, or they're not going to have time to get to the third act." And then it was like, "Fuck, this movie's ending in like ten minutes or twenty minutes." And it's like, "This actually, this must just be the third act." I was like, that, "That's really strange," because what should have happened is the chase should have been the midpoint of the film. And then getting Janet out is the start of the third act. And then you get Janet out and she's fucked up after having yeah. spent 30 years in the quantum realm. And she's the villain of the film. Oh, that's a fucking sympathetic villain. That, yeah, that, that's a sympathetic villain. she was the bad like, guy. Yeah, you need to. Um, and, and I mean, maybe you solve it by you manage to extract the quantum energy from her, fix Ghost, and then in, in the same process you actually end up fixing Janet, because because I understand you want to have that reunion, you want to have a round for the sequels. Um, but yeah, I, the whole time I was expecting Janet to be revealed as the villain. And when not only is she not the villain, but she was perfectly fine, unaffected by 30 years in isolation, that really disappointed me. But Yeah, and, and you know, you've got, you go like the, the kind of sad poetry of the woman you've been trying to save the whole movie is actually the bad guy and you use her... Uh, and to to kill her, you sacrificed her to save who you thought was the bad guy, 
up yeah. until this point. And I mean, it's 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 a similar thing to like Bucky and the Winter Soldier as well. Mm. Um, and I mean, maybe that's why they didn't do it. But yeah, it's it's it seems like such a missed opportunity to have such a more complex story, yeah. um, and complex villain, complex decisions for your characters to make. But at the same time, I get that Ant Man the Wasp is your fun little palate cleanser after Infinity War. And- Fuck that! <laughs> yeah. Like whatever you know. Yeah, it's um, just make a better story. Yeah, like it could be better. Like it's fun, but the stakes are so low. Not only uh, within the world of the film, but just the stakes of of Ant Man and the Wasp is like, mm. who cares? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I also, I also think, um, and I'm not the first person to say this, so please don't be like, oh, what a hot take. Um, like Walton Goggins' character, the the floor's right open for that to just be Justin Hammer and bring Sam Rockwell back. Oh, that was the other thing is that. Because Sonny Birch keeps referring to his his buyers and just make them Justin Hammer. Just have a fun little cameo at the end of the film, even in the post credit yeah. scene. Oh, I would I would ara- I would take Walton Goggins out of the film altogether and just have it's Justin Hammer. He's out of prison and he's back to his old tricks. Yeah, you know, like Justin Hammer has to be one of the most like well loved characters in a critically derided film. Well, not derided, but unpopular film. You know what I mean? Like people, whenever people are talking about Iron Man two, they, they talk about what they don't like about it, and then there's always that footnote of, oh, "I love Justin Hammer. I love Sam Rockwell yeah, as yeah. Justin Hammer, though." And it's just like, why haven't you brought him back? It's Iron Man two almost feels like they're doing what they did with Incredible Hulk by ignoring, ignoring it to the point where they don't bring back a popular character. And yeah. I'm sure Walton Goggins probably costs a bit less than, than Sam, Sam Rockwell, Rockwell post Oscar win. Yeah, but they um. Uh, like Sam Rockwell did come back for the All Hail the King one shot, exactly. Um, so there yeah. you go. Like, and and he said in his AMA this last week or two that he's he'd love to come back as Justin Hammer. He just needs to be asked. Yeah, and where is he? Like, Ant Man and the Wasp was a perfect place to put him in there. I think. Yeah, oh, especially be so because great. you know what? Especially because it's not really fan service either. Because the fact that he's been in a previous MCU movie never has to come up. Mm. It's just he fits the profile of the villain, yeah. and why not use a popular character? Yeah. from the past to be in there. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like Ross coming back for um Civil War. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Um one I thing like, that- I was waiting for your friends reference. It's like <laughs> it's like Ross coming back in season 6 of Friends. It's like, oh yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> um I was talking of course about Atticus Ross um from the 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 composer. Um <laughs> uh no, no, no it- I was talking about Atticus Finch from um, to Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, yeah. No, no, I was talking about Atticus from Happy Feet. No, I was talking about um, Finch, aka Shipwreck from American Pie. <laughs> no, 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 it's Shipbrick. <laughs> um, no, we have proof. <laughs> AJ, don't you fucking do this. To me. We, have <laughs> we have to get him back just to reconfirm it. Sounds like word of God canon to me, dude. <laughs> so one thing that sort of was an issue with this film and you you touched on it briefly and i will talk about it more later on but uh where it sort of lie that came after endgame um it's a very the story's very quick it only happens within 48 hours um but yeah what do you think about how it fits into more the actual film the timeline of the films like why didn't ant-man help out and and that kind of shit rather than like when the actual film was released you want me to talk about the first one? Yeah. So why didn't Ant Man help out? No, like, what do you think of how the film ties into Infinity War? I think it balances that, fu- that stuff fine. I don't yeah. have a problem with that. It because makes sense. yeah, and the the post credit scene, of course, as well. Uh, mm. It's funny that Ant Man of the Wasp is like 
after everyone saw it, they were just like, fuck, what about the mid-credits scene? Yeah. The best thing about the movie. Yeah. Do you want to explain what happened in it? Uh, yeah. So um, they sent Ant-Man into the quantum realm to go and retrieve quantum particles because that helps <laughs> Ghost, who I guess is still around and presumably going to be a part of the yeah, next they, Ant-Man movie. She says um, they refer to her as a, a new friend. Yeah. So maybe it'll be Ant-Man and the Wasp and Ghost. That's cool. I don't mind that. Um, we should talk about titles after we talk about this part. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, so So yeah, he goes into the quantum realm, retrieves them, and then he asks to be pulled out, and then it cuts back and everyone's turned to dust because of the snap. Yeah. Um, and it's cool as well that we, uh, you know, we don't see them turn to dust. Apparently they filmed um, them turning to dust, and Evangeline Lilly, I saw an interview with her, and she's like, I'm so glad they didn't use it because- we hadn't seen Infinity War yet. I don't know what, how it feels to get dusted. So I was like, mm. Ugh, but, you know, <laughs> it's not like that. So, mm, yeah. um, which is quite funny. But And it's, that, again, it's a very convenient set of characters to not have to put in Endgame. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But one thing as well that it's, um, we talked about this with um, Doctor Strange giving up the time stone and knowing, you know, the 15, the 16 million or six million, whatever it is, um, the, how many millions of futures? Um, 14 million, 605, that's it. And like Doctor Strange could have timed giving him the time stone because he knew that he, there was like a certain window when the snap needed to occur so that Scott would be in the quantum realm. Yeah, and if that's not confirmed, I hope it's not not confirmed so people can just believe that if they want. Yeah, well, like I, I presume that Ant-Man being in the quantum realm is going to presumably be part of what kicks off the events of Endgame. And yeah. so then, you know, that, that essentially confirms it. If Ant-Man yeah. being in the quantum realm is in any way important, that confirms it for me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and then also uh, the second post credit scene, the, the, the actual, like the, the one that's after the credits, um, I loved- a lot of people, um, no, no one really talked about it, but because this is our first glimpse at a post-snap world as well, um, there's just like you see nothing's outside and there's an emergency broadcast system and then you just see the ant drumming. It's, a, it's supposed to be a little silly thing, but I loved seeing a post-snap world even just for a moment. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's like the first, it was the first look you got at it. Yeah. Um, and one interesting thing about it is... I believe at the end of the credits, it says Ant-Man and the Wasp will, will return, which is the only, up until the release of Endgame, is the only confirmation that a snapped character will return. I think it has a question mark at the end of it. Hmm, maybe it does. It does, because I watched, I, I my stream fucked up, and yeah. I had to Google, I had to YouTube the second post credit scene. So maybe it was added in the post credit scene, but it did have a question mark. Ant-Man and the Wasp will return? Which feels like such a classic Peyton Reed move. Yeah, hard out. <laughs> yes, actually, you are right. It is, there is Ant-Man and the Wasp will return, question mark. Um, it should be like Ant-Man and the Wasp, question mark. <laughs> like, yeah, put yeah. her in parentheses, because Ant-Man, you, How careful are you being? I can't believe you just Googled Ant-Man and the Wasp will return before Endgame. <laughs> I fucking live it on the edge. I'm not. I'm terrified. Um, but, <laughs> but the things I'll do for this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's uh, that, that's cool. Then I think I think I maybe turned away before the question mark <laughs> came up. But I do remember that now that you mention it. Uh, yeah. So, Carpi. <laughs> that's uh, Amy the Boss. But before we move on, let's talk about the title quickly because it's it's an interesting 
title. It's you know, it doesn't. It's not a subtitle. Yeah, it's not so much the title that I'm as interested. Like Ant-Man and the Wasp is a cult. I like that title. It's very comic book as well. Yeah, yeah, but it's more where they go with the third film that I'm mm. intrigued by because it is it is either going to do something that I'm going to hate or it's going to get do something that I'm going to think is more interesting. Mm. So in my obsessive compulsive brain, the the th- okay the things they can't call the next movie. Ant-Man I don't want Yeah, I don't want it to be Ant Man three or Ant Man subtitle. Yeah, that would that would be sad to me. I think. What about Ant Man and the Wasp two? No, um, I think I do like Ant Man, the Wasp, and the Ghost, or Ant Man, the Wasp, and the third character. Yeah, I th- the other day I thought it would be interesting if they just made the Wasp the yeah. movie. Um, yeah, the Wasp I, and Ant Man. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. That's, um, kind, that's better than Ant Man three, right? The, the, yeah, um, the two suggestions I had the other day are either calling it Ant Man, the Wasp, and you, or Ant Man, <laughs> the Wasp, and me. Yeah, or um, Giant Man. Like it, it needs to be either Ant Man, the Wasp, and something else, or just an entirely different yeah. scheme altogether. Now, Ant Man saves the world. You know, Ant Man versus. Oh, Ant Man saves the world. Let's go. Yeah. So therefore, the the format of the titling is is Ant Man in a sentence. What about Ant Man into the Spider Verse? Love it. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's continue the franchise. Yeah. Um. Okay. So next up, our first 2019 film uh, is Cappy Mama, <laughs> Captain Marvel herself. Oh, uh, c- which- capsule of Marmite? <laughs> That's Kiwi slang. That's ki- it's like Cockney slang. But yeah, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> Going to go see old Capsule of Marmite tonight. <laughs> so this was directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, uh, her mm-hmm. husband and wife. Are they? I didn't know that. And what's this one about? Well, let me just double check that they are. Um, this one is about uh, set in 1995. The story follows Carol Danvers as she's be- she becomes Captain Marvel after Earth is caught in the center of a galactic conflict between two alien civilizations. Bowden and Fleck did at one time date. However, contrary to popular belief, they are not a married couple, though multiple sources continue to erroneously report it. That's like Jack White and... Um... Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the Jack other chicken? Grey, Meg White. Who's, who's the girl on the white stripes? Meg White. Meg White. Yeah, because for like I think they they spread the rumor that they were married, but also brother and sister or something like that. Yeah, like so they were married. They were divorced by the time they did the white stripes, I think. Um, right. But they spread the rumor that they were um, like brother and sister. It was yeah. It's very. It's very com- rock star. It's very rock star. Incest is the most rock rock and Hell roll yeah, thing. Dude. Um. Yeah, so they were married in 1996, divorced in 2000. Which is um, also when Captain Marvel set. <laughs> yeah. Wait, was it? Was 95. It? 95. Um, yeah, so uh, this is the most recent one that comes out. So it's set in, 90, in the 90s, um, and it's got a de-aged Samuel L. Jackson who's in it as um, Nick Fury. First time we've seen Nick Fury. Well, we saw him in Infinity War, but the first meaty role he's had since like Age of Ultron. Um, it's got Ben Mendo Mendelssohn in it as the Skrull. And so the Skrull were a big part of the lead up to this film. Um, and we'll talk more about that after we discuss our rankings and the general ranking. Yes. So, so this um, this one I kind of just slotted in. It's about uh, 15th. If you look at Rotten Tomatoes, um, I what, a, yeah. um, what, what do you reckon it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Um, 80. 
78. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, that's the critic score. We haven't spoken about audience scores yet. Um, but what do you think the audience score for this film is? 60. 56. It's the only rotten score in the entirety of the MCU. What about audience or um, critics? Yeah, but that you know why that is. Um, have you have you forgotten? <laughs> no, well, yeah. So it's um, they said you know that apparently Captain Marvel made them change their thing that you can't now submit a review on a film that hasn't come out. They've said also that like it was always like this, and it was at its a want to see meter. But uh, Ron Tomatoes has confirmed that every review on Captain Marvel is genuine. Um, okay. So yeah, right. this is actually the first. Rodden. Um, well, on, well, yeah, but it's audience score, which I yeah, yeah, but it's just interesting that like you know audiences prefer Thor: The Dark World to this. <laughs> um, I ranked this ninth in my original ranking. I can't believe it cracked my top ten. Yeah, this is why rewatching them has been so beneficial. Yeah. Um, so I put it in between Guardians two and Guardians one, uh, and now I've ranked it fifteenth on my newest on my redo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ranked it fourteenth, which is a st- one step above Doctor Strange, which we said was our is Marvel's worst good movie, and for me, Captain Marvel is essentially that. But again, the whole mathematical. I had, you know, yeah. I calculated what does each movie have, and I was like, I think Captain Marvel's like mathematically superior to Doctor Strange. Mm. So yeah, obviously um, a lot okay. of controversy with this film uh, uh, because it yeah, has a, let's just let's just quickly go over this. Like, well, I'll say you- so. So essentially, the controversy was over the fact that it's a female-led superhero film, and I think Brie Larson said something about how it's not a movie for white men or something like okay. that. Okay, stop you right there. Um, so. She said she wants to make an effort for her press days to not be completely white men. She said in the speech, she says maybe half a dozen time that she, times that she doesn't hate white dudes. Um, but she says that it's mainly about um, like the percentages of critics and, and what sort of groups they fall into. It's predominantly white men, uh, even less women, even less men of color and minuscule amount being women of color. Um I watched a, because occasionally I like to dive into right-wing YouTube <laughs> polls, and it fucks up your recommendations for ages. But um, one of those classic, if you've ever seen right-wing YouTube, you'll know what I mean. That they look like us, and they, <laughs> they look exactly like us, and they just complain and, <laughs> yeah. and yell. So it'll have an avatar that's either a wolf or a man who's much more attractive than the actual person. <laughs> um, and I say man because they're always men. Um They'll have the avatar will have three to five animated uh, positions, one of which uh, is its hand on its chin, one of which is laughing at the idiocy of social justice warriors, and one is with its hands on its hips or its arms folded, which it will use when it thinks it's made a good point. Mm. Um, The one I was watching was analyzing Brie Larson's speech about equality in um and his basically his main argument was you stupid fucking bitch you can't expect um film critics to have the same racial and gender makeup as the as the united states essentially yeah but like of course there's going to be more white men and there should be yeah right um, <laughs> and this is very much the the, the yeah. logic of all these videos it always if you follow it to its conclusion it's always it always ends up in like Un- unbridled bigotry 
you know yeah. like it's like you can you can dress up your point however you want but at the end of the day if you legitimately have a problem with something that should be as inconsequential as a female-led superhero film yeah you've got a fucking that's a big ass issue you know yeah yeah like you, your issue is that um she thinks that more women of color should be critics or you know mm. um and so she says uh the quote yeah that you sort of referenced was she says i don't need a 40 year old white man to tell me what didn't work for them about mm. uh, wrinkle and tie because it's not made for him and obviously this this man took offense to that um but yeah no there's there a different point she said she made a she wanted to make an effort to make sure her press days weren't all white men yeah. uh which obviously a lot of people took as being male genocide and um mm. Yeah, that, that led to a lot of the controversy surrounding the film. Um, because not only shock horror is she a woman, but she's also played by a woman who's made her, um, you know, who's, who's feminist. Um, and people don't like that. There was another, uh, years ago, she tweeted about how um, a TSA guy, security airport security guy, asked for her phone number um, and that that's, you know, not not acceptable and all these people were like um you should be like grateful like he put his he put himself on the line and like why isn't that okay people were like wait what should he just not be allowed to ask for your number um and basically the the argument is you know he's in a position of power basically her body is in his power for a moment because he can be like uh i think you've got drugs i need to do a cavity search yeah. if if you t- if you turn it if she turns him down and um so people are like, oh, what? So he just can't ask for a girl's number at work. And it's like, yeah, no, he can't. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's inappropriate. Yeah. And look, I didn't, I, we don't have too many. Um, I wish this this movie was like a roaring success and heralded like a new a new MCU, like the brand new, this is, this is great. Um, and while I have problems with it, um, I'd like to start, jumping off what you're talking about i'd like to start with what i actually really like about this film and Mm -hmm. one of the reasons well not actually i shouldn't say that not the reason i like it but i like that i like these things about the film because the best part of the film is its feminist agenda quote unquote (laughs) propaganda yeah Yeah, the the best Um. (laughs) the my favorite thing about this movie like it it feels at times it feels like it's trying to be um what Black Panther was for like uh, African American or African representation, it's trying to be that with like a like the feminist version of that or the female version of that. And I'm not going to say they maybe should have leaned into it more because I don't know if they should have, but it is my favorite part of the film. So one of the things I love in this movie is that at the start when you see her on in the alien planet and she's training with Jude Law, Hala, um, and they're basically he she has you get introduced to the character and she's got some kind of power that she's able to just barely control and he talks to her about controlling her emotions right and by the end of the film she learns actually she she should just let her rip and like because now she's super powerful if she's not being controlled because it ends up being that jude law's the bad guy da, 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 da. Mm, and the thing that she thinks was giving her power was actually keeping her powers in check yeah like a little chip on her neck um was keeping her powers in check and then you also get in the film a point where she's back she's on earth and a biker pulls up and he's like why don't you give me a smile and real like chauvinistic classic like everyday casual misogyny and the movie's great because it parallels those two things 
It, the, the, it's both both statements why don't you give me a smile and you need to control your emotions are about the same thing they're just being paralleled in you know relatively different um conversations and i think that's real cool and at the end um when she's like done all the all the big stuff she's done all the bad guy beating and jude law whose name is yon rob yon rog yon rog um She's about to go deliver the final blow, and he stops, and he's like, "You know, I'm so proud of you. I'm so." And he goes, "You know, now let's now fight me one on one like we trained." He's essentially mansplaining to her, and then he like, she just blasts him like mm. thirty meters away, and she's like, "I don't have to prove anything to you." Yeah, that- it's, it's the whole like, uh, put down your guns, let's settle this like men. And she's like, "I'm actually just more powerful than yeah. you." Yeah, so and it's that's gonna- excellent, and I hope this is annoying any last vestiges of meninist listeners we have because good <laughs> you know like <laughs> like uh, jokes on you chauvinists because the best part about captain marvel is the parts where it co- actually comments on feminist ideals and and like the female experience in it but yeah i just i love that i love the parallels of being a a soldier paralleled with being with like the female experience um or what yeah. i have to assume is the female experience um <laughs> yeah so that, that's one of the two things i really like about this movie um do, do you have anything any more comments on that or should um, i move to my next thing well yeah i was gonna say yeah because a lot of again a lot of um the, the first trailer or the first couple of trailers actually were very controversial when they came out because um People are like she should. Why isn't she smiling? And it's like that's fucking stupid as shit. I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, I saw a um, on Twitter as well. Um, someone complaining and blocking people that disagreed, saying that um, the trailer is sexist because um, out of like say out of like thirty words said in the trailer, um, Captain Marvel only says twelve of them or something like that. And it's um, and it's you know in Captain Marvel's own film, she's having a man do all the talking and it's like yeah that's not like how you create mystique about a character just having them be like hi i'm captain marvel and i do this yeah. like you like having other characters talk about how powerful she is is how you build yeah a character and people said that and she was like that doesn't change the fact that it's sexist and you're sexist for disagreeing with me i'm blocking you now mm. so you know it does go both ways i guess yeah sure but i feel i, I do feel like the other yeah, way yeah, obviously one's worse yeah but um yeah, no, there was a lot of like, and we, we touched on this, but it's like, I hate that this is still an issue. Like, why the fuck are we still arguing about this? Mm. Like, I hate that we have to waste breath talking about this on this podcast. Yeah. And but it's it's our job to cover the full story. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a better movie because these issues need addressing. I should, is that a good way to word it? Like, yeah. because it tackles, same with like, Black Panther's a better movie because racism is, is an issue that needs addressing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's, it's, that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah. So thank God for racism. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. But, <laughs> so yeah, I, I really like that about it. And um, look, I long for the day where a female superhero isn't even thought of as being remotely controversial because it shouldn't yeah. be. There's no mm. reason why that should be controversial. Yeah. Whereas, like, what, like, yeah, and and we you said this, but like, like Wonder Woman was good enough to shut up the haters. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, except people oh, the third act. Um, but yeah, Captain Marvel, I-, I think it was good enough as a Marvel film, but it's not. If you are a, like a, a sexist idiot who's going into this being like, fuck, I want to hate this movie because it's got a woman in it. You, you are going to find enough stuff in it to dislike. Well, it's not to dislike. It's more just not enough to like. I don't think there's anything yeah. necessarily wrong with it. Um, 
But I'll, I'll say the last, the other thing I really like about this movie, which is completely under, unrelated, and maybe we can move on from what I wish wasn't such a hairy subject to to, <laughs> yeah. to talk about. Um, and also, again, as we've said this a few times when we cover issues like this, uh, if we've said something that fe- feels like off or mis- misguided, like tell us, we're, we want to be people who can talk about this and like be on the right foot. You know what I mean? So Yeah, and, and it's... We're on your side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the other thing I really like about this is what I have I have attributed to essentially a this this um this phase's uh, Mandarin twist from Iron Man three. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. the Skrulls are the good guys. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, I love that. It's not one hundred percent that they're the good guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because because it's a war. Both sides are dirty, but. The um the scrolls are essentially refugees, you know. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're made to be sympathetic, and and it helps if you know the context of leading up to this movie. Every conversation people were having was about the scrolls, which are famously in the comics they're a shape shifting species. And since since this was set in the nineties, basically every conversation about Captain Marvel was like, "Oh, what beloved MCU character is going to be revealed to be a scroll the whole time?" Yeah, and look. I, it doesn't do that, and frankly, I think it's a better movie because it doesn't do that. Yeah, I mean, like Kevin Feige has said that the the twist in Captain Marvel doesn't rule out um, yeah. doing that, and you know, sure, and, and that's what's good about it, I guess, is that you yeah. are because you know, finding that middle ground. Yeah, you're showing the nuance of the scrolls as well. So you know, there are yeah. good scrolls and there are bad scrolls. But it's interesting in the comics, um, Talos, who's the Ben Mendelsohn's character, is one of the only scrolls that can't shapeshift. <laughs> interesting. And the, yeah. Um, because it's funny, it, it, a lot of this movie feels like it's a it's it's mid phase two Marvel, right? Like yeah, a lot well, of the it's, reasons it's, it's Doctor Strange essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the reasons it's unimpressive is because of that, and and the, and it starts and Ben Mendelsohn's in it. I, I love Ben Mendelsohn. I think Ben Mendelsohn is one of the best villainous actors out there at the moment, and he's like certainly got done the rounds. He's appeared in multiple franchises as the villain in them. Yeah. Um, and. So I was like, cool, Ben Mendelsohn playing a Marvel villain. And then as the movie like reaches its midpoint, I was like, oh, he's just another Casilius. He's just another yeah. boring phase two to, you know, early phase three villain. Like, I can't believe they wasted, they're wasting Ben Mendelsohn the same way they wasted Mads Mikkelsen, you know? Yeah. And then it turns out he's a good guy. And that is the reason I like this more than Doctor Strange, is that one yeah, little saving yeah, yeah. grace of it being a real interesting um Whenever Marvel departs from the, from its comic book accuracy, I find that real interesting because one, um, it's just showing they're using initiative and they're telling stories the way they should be st- telling stories. But it, it also allows for more surprise to happen and more, yeah. you know, you can't predict it. And well, you could, but you know, it, it was really, really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I I really like that about it. And on the, it's a shame no one's a scroll now. I. I don't think I don't I can't think of a single character in the MCU that would be big enough for it to be significant that they've been a scroll the whole whole time that it wouldn't also ruin the the films they've appeared in. Um, like the well, closest yeah. I've I've read is someone like um Rhodey being a scroll. Yeah, Nando V movies has a great yeah. video about that. I, I disagree though. Like I like Nando V movies a lot. But <laughs> I disagree. That video sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the video a lot, but and and even in I feel like even in Nando's video, he's not. 100 he's like if someone's gonna be a yeah, scroll yeah, yeah, yeah. it should be roadie B- but 
I think that would cheapen so much. I think, I'd like, well, yeah, like, God forbid it becomes a, it's a main character. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, that would ruin, like, if, you know, extreme example, if Tony Stark was a scroll the whole time, there goes all his fucking character development. Yeah. God, I would never watch an MC mo- MCU movie again if <laughs> Tony Stark was revealed to be a scroll the whole time. Like, yeah. yeah. So I don't think it would have worked. Yeah. And if but- they wanted it to work, they needed to set it up. A few movies ago, so that it w- that it would work. Yeah, they have this you know? like looming mystery. Yeah, and he, Nando again. Nando mentions in his video that he, he ruled out any character who you see by themselves. Yeah, because yeah. why would you be faking being? You know, why would Happy Hogan be a scroll if when you see Happy Hogan by himself, he's not, and you know, he's not out of character. Yeah, um, that that's that's cool. Um, yep. let's, uh, before we move on to talking about other things, I just want to do some more randomly placed trivia. So, uh, there's the scene, you know, on the blockbuster where, mm. um, she lands and she gets startled by a, um, you know, stand of true lies, you know, one yep. of those, the standing, um, poster things. And she blasts Arnold Schwarzenegger's head off. Uh, Joe, that was originally supposed to be Jim Carrey as the mask, um, and she was going to confuse it for a scroll, but they couldn't get the rights, which means this is our second franchise, which does or was supposed to include Jim Carrey as the mask. And it's our second <laughs> franchise, which does or was supposed to, but then also does include Loki. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. This, like, let's talk about Stan Lee. This was the first Marvel for, uh, MCU film to come out after his death. Um, and the film opens with the Marvel logo, uh, but it's all Stan Lee's cameos. Um, I loved that. I thought it was so good. Yeah. And then it says, thank you, Stan. Yeah. And And then his his cameo in the film is a bit more dwelt on than previous. Yeah. Then, then it would have, and, and, and that is like, it was added after he died as well. To go back to Ben Mendelsohn. So there's one of my kind of weird issues with the film is like, Talos is a scroll, looks like a scroll, and talks uh, like Ben Mendelsohn with an Australian accent. Mm. And then he takes over the body of someone who looks exactly like that voice should sound, but has an American accent. It's it's such a and I don't know how you would fix the issue, like because presumably you want to have Ben Mendelsohn in person, and maybe just Ben Mendelsohn shouldn't appear on screen as the fix. Yeah. Um, like just only have Ben Mendelsohn play the scroll in full makeup, but mm. it's it's such a weird, convenient thing, <laughs> and it's it's like I feel like this film takes a lot of shortcuts, yeah. Um, it, and to like, like just saying, oh, Ben Mendelsohn's playing the villain, and or you know he ended up being a good guy, but it's just like the shortcuts to get Ben Mendelsohn in the film. And there's the other one that's the, a lot of people online have spoken about, but um. Carol Danvers leaves Earth in 1989 and then comes back in 1995 and we see her visiting the Supreme Intelligence and it's like to do with her memories and stuff like that and it's playing Come As You Are by Nirvana, which wasn't released in 1989, so there's no way she could know that song or that would be in her memories. Um, but it's just like, we want this movie to be set in the 90s. So here's mm. here's a 90s song. And I'd love really to. I'd love to jump off that if I may. Yeah. Um. The '90s setting was one. I was actually quite excited for this film in 
in concept like in the abstract right before we got any trailers i was like hell yeah i would like we we're only just getting to the point now where a a period film set in the 90s exists you know because the 90s was so recent like a lot of a lot like it's now becoming a a fun, the same way Stranger Things is a fun look back at the eighties. Mm. We can do that for the nineties. Yeah, like it's only in the last ten years that crashing into a blockbuster video was a joke and indicative of the time period. For sure, and so that was one of the, uh, one of the two things I was excited for going into this film was that it was going to be a Marvel period piece. You know, Captain America: The First Avenger. One of the best things about it is that it's set in World War Two, um, and it's just, it's just a really easy way to give. Um, a film in a franchise that's often called really samey. It's a it's a really good way to give it a bit more flavour, you know, a bit more interest is by is playing with either setting and time or place. Um and so I was really excited for that and I was really excited that we were gonna see a young Ben uh Ben Mendelssohn, a young Samuel L. Jackson and a young um Agent Colson, Clark yep. Gregg, as you know, <laughs> they were gonna return as their characters in the nineties. So those are the two things I was most excited about seeing. Um because they, they were just interesting ideas to play with, I guess. Yeah. And it also Ronan. Ronan is in this film, and I was excited that they were... It's it's cool to, It's cool and smart and great world-building to recycle characters who would be there. Yeah, and, and also the, the Kree that discovers Star-Lord at the start of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. 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 Um, all, almost all of those things were revealed in the trailer and have no more mystique or allure in the film. Yeah. And that's part of my problem is, like, the the... It's like you're asking what you know. You want to know what you're going to get for Christmas, and someone's like, "It's a it's a Crash Bandicoot video game," and you don't know what Crash Bandicoot. You open it up, and it's like, "Oh, it's yeah, it's it's one of the Crash Bandicoot games." And <laughs> it would have been better if you didn't tell me it was a Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of the de aging, though, because you're famously like, you know, weird with de aging. Where like you didn't notice Tarkin and. Um, well, that, uh, to, in my defense, I didn't know what de-aging was by the time Tarkin. Yeah, Tarkin but I mean, out. I watched that and was like, what the fuck is this PS3 video game character doing in this movie? But you were like, oh, this is good. And then something like um, Sean Young in Blade Runner 2049, I thought it looked amazing. And you said completely took you out of the film. Yeah, I love that movie. But that and yeah, I just I could see it. I could see that. You the, see, the I, I did not notice it at all. And. Uh, I think Samuel Jackson is like the best de-aging done yet, uh, whereas Clark Gregg looks like a weird plastic potato man. <laughs> um, I think Samuel Jackson has the benefit of being the youngest 70-year-old man alive. <laughs> yeah. um, they they don't do a lot to him to make him de-aged. You know, like mm. he, you could, in, in a, if this movie was half the budget, you could probably get away with a wig. <laughs> and him you know um clark greg yeah doesn't look that great to be honest my memory's faded a little bit because um plot twist i actually had to re-watch captain marvel for this podcast as a camera because i couldn't get to the theater and mm. so i watched couldn't the camera but it, it was just a, a, it was abysmal it was abysmal yeah <laughs> way I, to fuck watch that. i'd rather pa- I, I went to go see it in the movies again and i you know i'd much rather pay the money and take time <laughs> Out of my day to go to the cinema then to watch I just watch couldn't be bothered. I couldn't get there. I didn't have a car. I didn't, I didn't want a lime. This is my <laughs> life. Um, yeah. And yeah, so the, the, I'm I'm struggling to remember the DH because everything looked great filmed <laughs> filmed off a DSLR in a, in a movie theater. Um, <laughs> and it, it, the sound was so bad. And so I was thinking, after I watched it, I was like, fuck, I feel like I just dreamt Captain Marvel. 
Like, I didn't retain enough of the plot to be, like, fully... Like, I, you know, if this was if this was a movie I hadn't seen in a year, I would want to rewatch it. But because I'd seen it six weeks ago, I was like, it'll be fine. I remember enough from that original time and re- rewatch a camera. <laughs> but this is the vaguest of, like, this is the least fresh <laughs> I've been after just watching a movie ready to talk about. And, like, I've seen 30 Godzilla movies, all of, you know, probably half of which I... I zoned out during watching and i felt more equipped to to, or felt more like i just watched them than i do captain marvel now yeah okay i now want to move on to um what i was talking about with the placing of ant-man and the wasp um and so this is going to start small and then snowball and you can come along for the ride and 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 Mm. chime in whenever so so we've stopped talking about every currently released mcu film not quite um what do you mean well, I'm still I'm still talking about Captain Marvel, and that's oh, gonna okay. and that's gonna you know. Um, okay. So, I I said to you the other day off pod that I was like, uh, I was, Captain Marvel was one of those ones that I'm not super looking forward to talking about because it's like I I, I liked it. Don't get me wrong, and that my complaints with it are, are not at all sexist reasons, um, but I. I have more complaints than I do praise, and it's the same way, you know. Like you, you, you're more likely to, you know, you like write a review if it, if it's something's bad than to compliment something. Yeah, um, I've got some minor fixes for Captain Marvel. So one, get rid of "Come as You Are." I've already mentioned that. I looked in what could have been released in 1989 that she would know. Here's some options that you could put in there. Uh, one, if I could turn back time by Cher. Um, Fight the Power by Public Enemy, Express Yourself by Madonna, I Remember You by Skid Row, Listen to Your Heart by Roxette, or One by Metallica. Have any of those, or whatever song from the, like, it it kind of needs to be an 80s song, even though the film's so 90s. Yeah, that's an intrinsic problem. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. With this movie is like it wants to be a 90s nostalgia movie, but the character wasn't around for most of the 90s. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> she's just there for like less than a week in the 90s um my one of my biggest complaints coming out of the film and it still frustrates me watching it is the final the well not the final fight scene but one of the one of the fight scenes near the end of the film has i'm just a girl by no doubt start playing um mm. and so what happens is they have they hide the tesseract which is part of this film in a the fawn's lunchbox a character famous for hitting a jukebox to make it start. And then I'm just a girl starts playing and then a character hits a jukebox. Just, just make the song come from the jukebox. And like, yeah. because the song is very on the nose about it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's called, I'm just a girl. And it, to me, it feels like this is, this must be what they originally had planned, but then the timing of the song didn't quite work. So they just started earlier because I, I don't see how someone could watch this film and not be like, oh, oh, you should have it come from the jukebox. <laughs> yeah, and then even have Captain Marvel kind of roll her eyes at how, you know, how on the nose it is. Because right. you've set up the character can do that. Um, you know, has that kind of personality. 
Um, and then my third, like, sort of minor change is just change how the device works to change the costume colors. <laughs> because okay. so she's got this green Cree outfit and she's like, oh, hey, why don't you change? Why don't you decide what my color is? And it's done by, like, she's got essentially like a rainbow on her wrist and they just like swirl their fingers around it and then it changes colors and it just it makes no sense <laughs> it's such a weird like oh um like you know just get like on on set just 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 kind of swirl your finger around and then they didn't make it make sense in post um you know so just like have have you clearly tapping one two three as like primary color red secondary color blue third color gold like tap 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 not like ooh, it, it, it didn't work for me um yeah. because they don't seem to change at all but they do the same thing four times and we get four different costumes now for bigger fixes um and of course like all of these changes yeah i'm not a screenwriter or like it's so easy to criticize or quote unquote fix a movie once you've seen it and when it's completed and you know when you're just some fucking asshole with a podcast i just tell people i'm a script doctor i'm not a <laughs> i'm not a screenwriter um but yeah so these are just some ideas that i had which would fix some of my issues with the film so one um get rid of jude law as yon rog instead at the start of the film we meet uh Ver- Vers, who is what she's called the start of the film her mentor marvell who's played by tom hanks so, one thing in this film is the character of Yon Rog, or the, the, the fulfilling this place and the story, uh, needs to fill is we really need to feel like it's a mentor to Carol. When Jude Law is revealed to be a bad guy, I didn't feel betrayed at all because no. he's kind of been a dick to her the whole film. Whereas if you cast someone like Tom Hanks, we're going to feel that connection immediately. Great, like, you know, father figure, mentor type. And then um, when Annette when we see Annette Benning's character die and reveal that her name is Marvell, we then realize, oh shit, Yon Rog has stolen her identity. And then Tom Hanks comes out of the shadows and reveals that he's a bad guy, which happens within a minute of revealing that Ben Mendelsohn is actually playing a good guy. Mm. So like within a minute, you have a character who always plays the good guy and a character who always plays a bad guy flip. That's really cool. I really like that. Um, because yeah. And, and so like you can have Tom Hanks say something about, um, keeping your emotions in check, and and maybe even Jude Law could do this, and and just but just he, I, I feel like could be played slightly differently. But I didn't get that warmth from him from him at all, and so I was like, he, he's the first scene. One of his first lines is like, "You got to keep your emotions in check," and I was like, "That's your fucking." The bad guy, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I predicted that Jude Law would be the bad guy. I didn't predict that the scrolls would be. Yeah, the good um, guys. But uh, yeah, I love I love the idea of having because you've you've cast Ben Mendelsohn as like someone who's revealed to be the good guy. Do the opposite of that. That would be so yeah, great. I do. And then, that's really cool. Because you you because it's not going to arouse suspicion if you go Tom Hanks to play the mentor and the new to play Marvel, who was like the original Captain Marvel. Um, but then. All these twists reveal at the same time. Second what second big one is get rid of Colson. He doesn't need to be in the movie at all. He adds nothing. Um But then have Nick Fury shouldn't be a member of SHIELD yet. He should be just a detective or an FBI or CIA a CIA agent or whatever. And we see him go along for the ride and his mind is absolutely blown by all of this like think his character in Die Hard 3 kind of thing where it's like I haven't seen it. <sighs> 
Um, like where he's, or, or even Bruce Wilson, the first I have, where it's like someone completely out of their element. They didn't even realize yeah, yeah. the side of the universe existed. Again, going back from what you said about like Spider-Man and characters being put in unusual or surreal situations and having to adapt to that because also like, you know, Sam, Sam Jackson's a fun guy to have react to everything. So yeah. um, very wrong place, wrong time kind of stuff. Then at the end of the film, this could even be the post credit scene. Um, you have Nick Fury go home. He's wants to sit down, needs a drink, opens his door, and there's his there's no lights are on in his house, but there's a shadowy figure on the other end of the thing. And then a voice says, Nicholas Fury, you've just become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. He steps mm-hmm. out of the shadows to reveal Robert Redford's Alexander Pierce, and he says, I'm here to talk to you about the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. Because it's dumb in this movie that they call it S.H.I.E.L.D., and then, uh, what, like 12 years later in Iron Man, um, they, they, they're calling it, they only just come up with the nickname S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, I like the idea much more of having Samuel Jackson come out of nowhere. And this is very, you know, reaction to that. And also, yeah, bring back Robert Redford, have his, have their connection um, there. So that's my idea. And also fixes the shield problem. That, yeah, I think, I think the Robert Redford thing, um, I I love the idea of it being a parallel to uh, the Iron Man post credit scene. But I think uh, casting Robert Redford in that role is very. Uh, someone who really loves the MCU would be into it. Mm. Like, you know, probably fifty percent of people watching this don't remember Robert Redford was in yeah. Winter Soldier. Sure. Um, I, I also yeah. thought it, it could be Howard Stark, but the timeline doesn't match up. Not true. Yeah. No, that's really cool, man. That's there's a that's some good stuff there. Like, like if this film was set in like before December sixteenth, nineteen ninety one, you'd have John Slattery as Howard Stark show up at the end. So you have. A Stark, a Stark talking mm. to a Fury, and just something. Yeah, in the world. I guess the only problem with that would be um, that treats it like it's a cliffhanger, but it's one of those prequel problems where it's like, well, yeah, it's not really problem. cliffhanging anything because we know what happens. Yeah, so that's why you know you have it as like a post-credit scene or whatever. Um, but yeah. then it's like you would kind of need to set up in the film that he does then go on to join Shield. Um, anyway, so now we're talking about phase three wider because, and th- this is just some ideas. I kind of just jotted this down. I was thinking about it while I was at the movie and, and it's, it's, there's room for improvement. Definitely. So I think the order of phase three could be remixed a little bit. Keep Captain America Civil War where it is. I think that's a great beginning of the film. Um, it sets up that this is the phase without the Avengers and it's going to take a big threat to get them back together. So we're already kind of teasing Thanos. Then next at the end of 2016 should be Captain Marvel. I think okay. it's a lo- I think it, I actually think it's more effective to set up the pager that we see at the end of Infinity War to set that up before we see it in Infinity War. Interesting, yeah. Because in Infinity War it's like, hey, they recognize this logo and a lot of the audience is like, no. Yeah. Um and I so, heard yeah. someone whisper Wonder Woman behind me. Yeah, yeah. So did I. So did yeah. I, honestly. Um and this also means that Marvel beats DC to the punch for having a female superhero. As well, because it would have been released a year earlier. Um, the most important thing, yeah. Well, no, it's just it's just like an interesting thing that you know this is beneficial for for everyone, and yeah, because you know the Guardians of the Galaxy were introduced in Phase Two, and then they said they're not going to be in Age of Ultron; they're going to be later on. You could do the same thing with 
say beforehand, oh, she's not going to be in Infinity War. And then, oh my gosh, there's the pager at the end. Um, Then have the first film of 2017 be Thor Ragnarok. So uh, we actually set up Doctor Strange in Thor Ragnarok before we see his solo movie, much like with Black Panther and with Spider-Man and Civil War, but keep Doctor Strange out of all the marketing and stuff like that. Just say, you know, you'd announce beforehand because they always do like, Benedict Cumberbatch has been cast as Doctor Strange. Um, and then again, keep it out of the marketing the same way they did with Ragnarok anyway. Uh, then Guardians of the Galaxy 2, middle of 2017, Spider-Man Homecoming, end of 2017. So you're kind of just pulling one forward. And then the first film of 2018 be Doctor Strange, not Black Panther. So Doctor Strange, keep the, the changes we sort of suggested last week. I'd love to see like a parallel storyline. So it's um, we see him having studied for 10 years and then also we see the car crash and him deciding to go train. And then it culminates in the, because, the, you know, he's actually got the time stone. So you can have a, a play with that quite a lot. But yeah. have Doctor Strange start his journey before Iron Man became Iron Man or, or yeah. like around the same time, like see him announce I am Iron Man on screen. So we actually, he then catches up because the film's in 2018. We see his journey start with Tony Stark announcing he's Iron Man in 2008. So we're actually shown this is 10 years. He's mm-hmm. training. Um, and then keep the changes we said about the time loop being like thousands of years and he gets the gray streaks at the end of that. And then you have Black Panther be the second one in 2018 and then Infinity War, the third film in 2018. Now, I actually really like Ant-Man and the Wasp where it is. I think okay. it's a great palate cleanser for for Infinity War. And, and I don't mind, you know, taking that kind of little detour. So if we end on, here's all these characters, here's what happened to them. But here's one who we we didn't follow in Infinity War. Here's what he's been up to. And then ends with, it catches up to Infinity War in the post credit scene. And then I'm adding a film now. So this is maybe partly my continue the franchise. But I give me a, 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 I need a mid-snap film. Like one that takes place between Endgame, Infinity War and Endgame. And I haven't seen Endgame yeah. yet, but the whatever <laughs> Hawkeye's storyline is from when he becomes like, you know, he's with his family or whatever to the snap happens. And then he's now appears to be Ronan from the comics, you know, more of a ninja. Th- give me that as a movie. And then you could tie in, there's a lot of stuff, um, TV show I'm a big fan of called The Leftovers, which is about 2% of the world's population disappearing. So it's obviously not on the same scale, but um, there's sort of a, a a plot point in that, that there's this um, town in Texas, which is the, the largest area not affected by it. So yeah. it's like, you know, population of a couple of thousand or whatever, and none of them disappeared. And I would love to see a similar thing in the snap that- um, you know, you know, show us what the largest area is that that just mathematically somehow had no one disappear, or like you know, some kind of cult would form, and that can be a subplot in the Hawkeye slash Ronan film. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so Ant Man of the Wasp will be the first one in 2019. Then this Hawkeye Ronan film will be second, and then Endgame will be third, and then Far From Home in 2020. Um, Amazing, you're rejigging all this, and you didn't move Far From Home before Infinity War. Uh, well, I mean, we don't know what happens in Far From Home, so. Yeah. Um, I mean. <laughs> I know, but. Like, yeah, okay. So we could say, yeah, like, just give us a Spider-Man sequel that happens before Infinity War. But um, so that, you know, we're not getting. Actually, no, the problem isn't really where Far From Home's placed. It's the fact that the marketing has already started for Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. That's way more the problem. 
but yeah, so that's how I would kind of quote unquote fix phase three um, because I kind of don't like that um, we go from Infinity War ends on this cliffhanger, depending on which perspective you look at it, and then um, Ant Man the Wasp. Like I said, I actually I quite like where that is, but then the film after that is just like here's what happened thirty years ago. Well, no, the the problem is more that that you you it's in my mind for at least narratively for ant-man and the wasp and captain marvel to be after infinity war and infinity war needed to pose pose questions about what's going to happen next which are then answered by ant-man and the wasp and captain marvel and captain marvel definitely was going for that but really what we got the the beeper Mm. And the pager, and that's it. Yeah. That's the question that was answered. Yeah. Um, and I guess who she is and stuff. But yeah. Well, so what do you yeah, think? What yeah. do you think of my remix? Yeah, it's good. It's funny that you're remixing Phase Three when I'd regard Phase Three as the best phase. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But um, I mean, I guess the main thing is um, putting Captain Marvel earlier. Yeah. Um, and then also the Doctor Strange because I think Doctor Strange is more interesting if we see him. No, that's a really good point. Because yeah. the um, uh, one of the sort of biggest issues of Doctor Strange is that it's a you know quote unquote a phase one movie because it's just an origin story and yeah. it's you know it, it's literally just you know Iron Man essentially. Um, whereas Captain Marvel tries to play with that a little bit that she like can't remember her origin story and it's slowly revealed to her. Um, and I mean you know, maybe yeah, similar kind of thing. Um, just have like two timelines that kind of intersect. Nice. Um, is, so is that your continue the franchise? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say it's my continue the franchise. Is a Hawkeye film set in between Infinity War and Endgame. Right. I've got I've got a similar continue the franchise. And but way back when we started this podcast, we made a rule that for continue the franchise, the film had to be coming out now. Like we couldn't alter history. <laughs> and much in the way that you've just altered history and I've altered history with my Ant-Man video game idea, um... And, you know, uh, numerous other examples. I'm also going to break the rules now. Um, and my idea is very simple and very, very small. And just something I, I, I was going to bring up earlier, but I was like, oh, I'll save some time and make it my continue the franchise. Um, Iron Man Civil War. Imagine if Phase 3 opened with two movies <laughs> coming out at the same time. And on the they same were day? The same, Sure. I don't know. So, I haven't decided it'd be on that. It's so yet. stupid from like a marketing perspective. I don't know if it would because okay, you need you include enough in each movie. So basically, what I'm saying is they should have made Captain America: Civil War and Iron Man: Civil War open as like a uh, flags of our fathers, letters from Iwo Jima kind of exactly. situation. Exactly, and in a way that means that there is a like there is a tactile way in which you can pick your side, you know, and so. You're you're also you're also like sneaking in a fourth Iron Man into the mix as well, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just think that'd be that'd be real interesting. If yeah, you you maybe halve what Civil War is already, and you know, so there's enough there's enough reason to buy a ticket to each film, or maybe you don't, and maybe that's part of the. I don't know. I just think that that would really be utilizing the 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 absolute power of what a cinematic universe is. And no one's really done that yet, I think. And yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's that's the extent of my idea. What do you think? No, it's good. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like the the whole the rule 
is that we're recording this continue the franchise before endgame but it's gonna be released after endgame um so like if we it has to come out now it has to come out like four days after endgame um (laughs) but uh yeah no we'll we are gonna do another discussion of continue the franchise after we have seen an endgame so it'll be less i think it'll be less like a segmented topic and more like well where are we gonna go next yeah Okay, Richard, we've got some uh, messages that I want to read out because we asked once again, what are your favorite scenes from Phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? This is, of course, excluding Endgame, uh, which we haven't seen We yet. have not seen, <laughs> I can confirm. We have Ask me what happens in Endgame. What happens in Endgame? I don't know, I haven't seen it yet. All right, um, so my Vincent Academia says... Peter saving himself from under the rubble in Homecoming. It's something that has not been well executed in other Spider-Man movies and that this is a kid doing this. The sound of desperation and fear when he cries out for help yeah, shows man. him being scared, a scared kid when all he is met when all he has met with is silence. The visual of him seeing his reflection of the mask and his face is comic booky in a good way. It gives him the self-confidence to know the Spider-Man is him that, that Spider-Man is him under the mask and that he can save himself. Yeah, that's that's such a good moment. And it's a reference to a, such an iconic moment from the comics. Um, I mentioned when we spoke about it, I don't know where this is going in the podcast. It's, we've spoken about yeah, it. Yeah, we right? have spoken about it. Um, that the, the half face, half mask, thing is a little bit on the nose but it's also very comic booky in a good way nice Uh, and Alex Powell 11 says the moment Scott Lang proves he's the most powerful character in the MCU by getting a smile out of Scarlet Witch in Civil War yeah that's such a great moment as well when he's like um, I know you too you're great (laughs) I think that's the moment that he's talking about (laughs) alright and on Facebook Scott Curry says Infinity War is tricky to pick just a single moment from but two come to mind one the battle on Titan we've seen plenty of superhero team up combos by this point in the franchise but I think this surely has to be the greatest of them all finally we get to see a bunch of strong uh, and in some ways super powered characters actually be really intelligent coordinating and using their respective abilities in complementary ways it's fun and inventive and often surprising in the clever ways they apply their skills as a team yeah man it's like, a showcase yeah yeah and it's yeah the, the, the combinations of powers like I remember because they played a trailer at Comic Con which was like three minutes or something like that and then we didn't get anything online for another couple months after that um, but I, I remember reading descriptions of it and one of them was like Star-Lord jumping across platforms created by Doctor Strange I was like fuck that's like to me that was the like I can't wait to see this like all these all these you know characters with completely different power sets interacting and assisting each other it's a a co-op video game yeah it is where yeah you for some reason you let your little brother play as dr strange and he can't fucking make the platforms (laughs) uh he also scott also said the dusting or whatever people call it specifically i feel that that not enough has been said about the particular final poses and expressions on their faces as they disintegrate and it's uh it's really artful i think my personal favorite is scarlet witch because after having lost vision twice there's a mix of despair and release encapsulating in her final upward glance which is beautiful yeah i really like that as well and um yeah because because her the her she's the only one that, that isn't too bothered by it mm. he also said uh, maybe an obvious one but the mary poppins yarl moment in guardians of the galaxy 2 is pure delight yeah we, we spoke about that i remember speaking about that with you after the movie and you're talking about how because not only is it such a funny moment that he's like i'm mary poppins y'all yeah. um that before that when he says you'll hate mary poppins and he's like, is he cool? And then Cool has this moment where he's like, yeah, no, like. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's such a nice moment to, like, shield someone from embarrassment. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joel Tempero says Bruce Banner face planting on the bridge after jumping from the spaceship. It's a great moment. Yeah. Um, uh, Clayton says the moment where you realise the snippets of one of Bucky's former missions was Bucky killing Tony's parents, and Tony is about to see it. It was like seeing a car crash about to happen and not being able to look away. The following fight is amazing because you can put yourself in either person's shoes in that moment and you would agree with their actions fully, which we yeah, yeah. discussed. Yeah, I love that. And the, I know that road. Mm. That, that's, that was such a like, oh, fuck moment for me. Uh, and you're ready for our, our, our obligatory comment from Ben Close. Yeah. Uh, this is, it, I mean, you do agree. I know for a fact, we've already discussed you agree with his favourite scene because he says, anyone who doesn't <laughs> think the entire Tombs, Peter meeting and car ride scene is one of the most tense, incredible scenes in cinema history is living a big, fat fakery of a life. Uh, I just mean that the way the sense of, all, all sense of cheeriness completely stops as Peter opens the door and in the hilarious contrast when the car pulls up and you hear the pop music from the dance and the look on Keaton's big, fat, I. He is so the look good. Look on his eye. <laughs> yeah, doesn't really. <laughs> that, that one was a bit of a reach, Ben. Um, <laughs> he is so good in the scene, and then the big fat lightning, lighting. Uh, when it turns green. Oh man, it gives me the chills. Actually, weirdly, the vibe between Holland and Keaton in the scene feels a lot like that old kids movie with Frankie Muniz. Damn it, I can't remember what that what that was called, but there's a scene with him where him and the antagonist confront for the first time, and then he threatens his girlfriend and almost kills her with a block of ice. Hey, any replies to that comment? Yeah, you said it's called Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London. <laughs> Is it actually? Got him. Is that from Big Fat Lie? I don't remember that Big Fat uh, I presume. Yeah, I think so. All right. Yeah, so now let's talk about all the post credit scenes and Stanley cameos up until this point. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot more in this um, in this phase, not just because uh, there's more films, but also Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 has five post credit scenes. Goodness me. Do we want to maybe race through these? Yeah. Do we, do we need to dwell on them? Uh, no, let's dwell on them. Let's dwell on the ones we want to talk about, but be perfectly fine with being like, cool, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So, Captain America Civil War. We've got two. The first one is uh, Bucky being put to sleep and put to sleep. Um, Bucky being cryogenically frozen, essentially, in Wakanda. It's our first glimpse at Wakanda. Yeah, it's yeah, good, good cool, first cool. glimpse. Yeah, it's good. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the next one is uh, Peter in bed, Peter Parker in bed, um, nursing a punch he got to the face, and then he like has this Spider-Man light that shines on the ceiling. And it's a tease for Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, it's it's meaningless. It's supposed to be this big tease, but it's like, what he's he's got a light now. Who cares? He's gonna be. There's gonna be a Spider-Man movie. I already knew that. Yeah. So next uh, is Doctor Strange. Uh, we've got the first one that's just like it's one of those. It's a recut f- scene from. Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. yeah it's fine yeah it's fine I mean that should first have been time see our Thor first in introduction time. to Doctor Strange but alright um, the second one is uh, we see Baron Mordo played by Chiwetel Ejiofor becoming evil he steals the that one bums me out man because he like takes away the, the, there's a character in Doctor Strange who he talks to initially to get the idea for going to um Kamataj Carmitage because he broke his back in a bunch of different places and basically used the mystical powers to learn how to walk again. And then Chiwetel Ejiofor turns up and just takes the power away. It just made me sad. It's it's, so, it's the most depressing thing that's happened in the MCU, and I say that including the snap. Like to, <laughs> to have to have such a like oh, the relief you would feel 
being a someone with a broken back getting it healed only to have that taken away is such mm. a bummer. Uh, but also it's like, you know, it's a setup for a Doctor Strange sequel, uh, which is fun. Now, let's tackle the Guardians of the Galaxy one. So the first one we see is uh, Kraglin, uh, att- like trying to use Yondu's arrow. Yep, good joke. Yeah, cool, fine, fine, good, let's move on. Um, the second one is the Ravagers team, or the, like the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, so it's like Sylvester Stallone, uh, Ving Rhames, Michael Rosenbaum, and the voice of Miley Cyrus. Is it really? Yeah. So that- It's like all these like quite big actors to do a cameo. And I think, is it Michelle Yeoh as well? What a, what a very haberdashery way to like announce future actors who will potentially be in MCU. Yeah, because like Ving Rhames just appears out of nowhere. Yeah, I remember that at one the end of the film. Yeah, when they're like um, all saying goodbye to him, one of them is just randomly. Mm. Um, um, uh, yeah, because are they going to get their own movie? What's the deal? Is, well, there is there this- was talk of that. Yeah, um, yeah, Michelle, uh, Michelle, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Who who knows? Because I remember hearing that that was going to be Guardians of the Galaxy, like four. Was going to be yeah. those guys. Uh, yeah, I've heard that as well. And I don't dislike that idea. I think it is. It's pretty interesting to go from Chris Pratt to Sylvester Stallone as your hero. Sure. Um, I yeah, and I do like that. That again, that feels like our first glimpse at Phase Four. Hmm. Apart from Mordo stealing. True. Yeah, I didn't even consider that because of how <laughs> little I consider Doctor Strange in all areas of my life. <laughs> um. Uh, so the next one is the tease of Adam Warlock. Yep. Again, a look at phase four. Yep. Um, yep. So that that's cool. That's the be- that's the best post credit scene in Guardians. Um, let's just see if I agree with you, mate. <laughs> um, so next up, we have. You can just tell me if you agree with me. You can just I do don't. that right now. Huh. Uh, so the next one we get is um, adolescent Groot. Our first look at the sort of teenage Groot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's the character in Infinity War. And then the final one we have is Stan Lee's cameo extended a little bit. Yeah. Um, where he is an informant to the Watchers. And this is my favorite. I love this one. Um, because it's like a fan. So there's the Watchers in, um, in Marvel Comics are, are like kind of like gods. They're like omnipotent being beings that um, like they're at the start of Civil War, I believe, that they sort of introduce the story. And then they're even asked to help out, but they, they, they stay, you know, um, neutral. They're at um, the start of Civil War? Of the comic. Ah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, it, it, was, it was a fan theory for a long time that like, oh, Stanley will be Uatu, the Watcher, um, because he just appears in all these places. And then this kind of confirms it, that he's like an informant to the Watchers. So he, he lets them know about all the goings on on Earth. Uh, but there is one little error in it. I know because- what it is. Oh, yeah. I worked Did out I the say? error. Um, he mentions he was a FedEx guy, which is his cameo in Civil War, which is set after Guardians Two. Yeah, that's right. So he mentions he actually I think he says he was a post he was a postman or something like that. Mm. Um, or, or yeah, I can't remember his exact wording. Um, but yeah, which is obviously reference to a Civil War thing. How and James Gunn has said yeah, this is a, that's a mistake. Um, he fucked up and he's sorry. Um, Good thing he didn't do anything else. That would <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is James Gunn's worst offense. And um, but you could look at it as him talking about his cameo from the original Fantastic Four uh, because he's their postman. I choose to believe. 
That's Imagine that, eh? Like, they're canon now. Yeah, yeah. Chris Evans has played both. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I love this one. It's, it was such a fun moment in the cinema, and I, it was one of those, I get one of those, I was the only person laughing at kind of thing. Yeah. Because I was like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, Spider-Man Homecoming has two as well. Um, first one is Adrian Toomes in prison, uh, not giving up Spider-Man's identity to the Scorpion. Phase? No, that's still phase three, because fucking... Far From Fuck, Home's going to be yeah. fucking phase three, apparently. Thanks, Kevin Feige. He could have told us that before we were three podcasts deep into a 12-hour <laughs> podcast series on the MCU. Thanks a lot, dude. Yeah, you dick. Uh, and then the second one is the Captain America uh, PSA about um, patience. Yeah. I love that one so much. Yeah, it's it's so funny. funny. Yeah. Um, so, Thor Ragnarok, again, two. They all have two, apart from actually, apart from one of them. Anyway, um, so uh, first one is Thanos' ship. All right, they go. Oh, I think everything's going to be all right, and then this gigantic ship appears above theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, you know, cool. Part ominous. of my problem with that is like that's one of my biggest the, the reasons I used to I used to rank Ragnarok above Infinity War, and mm. part of the, part of the reason that bummed me out was because like the whole point of Ragnarok is saving Asgard, and then what they're safe for like. 20 minutes <laughs> then, yeah. then Thanos decimates it and it's like yeah it's not like that's that couldn't happen but it's more like thematically I feel like mm, it cheapens it's a bummer yeah thematically it's a bummer yeah yeah, yeah they um because the, the the Asgardians get taken away and then half of them are killed and then another half of them are killed in the snap presumably yeah well no it's confirmed oh. um so then the second one is uh the Grandmaster um you know, coming out, Jeff Goldblum's character coming out into the Sicarians and says, like, ah, good revolution. Yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's just so Jeff funny. Gold, Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. And he calls a truce. Yeah, a, a tie. It's a tie. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. funny, man. Um, uh, so, Black Panther. Uh, the first one is T'Challa at the UN um, announcing that uh, Wakanda is going to open its borders. Mm-hmm. And and they're like, oh, but what does a nation of farmers have to offer? And he's like, let me bloody tell you, man. But fuck, that uh, better come back. That's the that's yeah. like the Tony's left. To- Tony retires Iron Man of Phase Three. Like if if <sighs> Spider Man Far From Home has so much riding on it, it might be the the most the MCU has ever needed to reference past movies <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you've got both. However, we came back from the snap, as well as. Um, Wakanda opening its doors to the world like you can't you know what I mean you can't just not yeah. acknowledge these things yeah um, and then uh, the second one is Bucky awaking in Wakanda yeah whatever <laughs> sure sure fine I saw someone say that that, ref- that ruined Black Panther because <laughs> it made it a Marvel film <laughs> yeah they actually kind of was it um uh, Avengers Infinity War, we've kind of already spoken about this one, but it's Nick Fury paging Captain Marvel. Yeah, it's it's a it, other than what you, you what you pointed out about it being kind of flawed. The it's it was great to see Nick Fury in, yeah, in, yeah. in the movie at all. Yeah, because he hasn't been around for a wee while. Yeah. Uh, Ant Man of the Wasp, first one is Scott stuck in the quantum realm. Yep, talk great. About that. Best part about the film. Yeah, best part. And the then film. Uh, maybe one of the, the best post credit sequences though. Unfortunately mm-hmm. for Ant Man of the Wasp, but like. Both of them actually are like revealing huge pieces of information at a very desperate for information time in yeah, the yeah. MCU's history. Um, so then, uh, Captain Marvel is just—it's a clip from Endgame of the of her arriving, mm-hmm. 
presumably a clip from Endgame. I haven't seen Endgame. Uh, I want to stress that again. Um, yeah, I mean, this is another one of those ones. It's like it's fine. It's not going to date too well when it's just like yeah, you know, it's not anything extra. It's a tease yeah. for the next one. Um, and then the last one is Captain Marvel, uh, Goose the Cat, the Flurkin. Uh, puking up the Tesseract. Which was predicted by the person I went to see the movie with when I made them sit down and wait till the end of the credits. They were like, it's probably just going to be the cat throwing up the Tesseract. And I was like, that's, that's so, so fucking what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard um, a lot of people say they predicted it. That I, I kind of would have preferred if, you just, if it was just the cat, Goose, jumps on the desk and then goes, <laughs> and that's yeah. it. And just cut Because it goes on for so long. You just don't see the Tesseract. You just see it like cough once and you're like, oh yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, now to the Stanley cameos. We're almost bloody there, and then we can bloody, you know, yep, go see Endgame. Um, so Captain America: Civil War has him um, as a FedEx driver, where he says, um, is, is this, "Are you Tony Stank?" Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people call this their favorite one. A lot of people like in the unit, and you know, like the Russos say it's their favorite one. All right. Um, which is interesting because in, um, I watched an interview with them. They're like, what's your favorite Stanley cameo? And they're like, oh, the one from Winter Soldier. And the other one's like, yeah, yeah, Tony Stank. And they're like, yeah, Tony Stank. I love it. Winter and uh, they got it wrong. That's not. <laughs> um, so then Doctor Strange, they're a bus passenger. Um, yeah. He's a bus passenger. Um, and I think Doctor Strange, uh, Guardians 2, and I think Thor Ragnarok. I can't remember all of them. But um, they were the ones that like James Gunn directed like four in one day just so they would have them in case he got sick mm-hmm. um and it was those ones i think one's unconfirmed about when it was but one's definitely doctor strange and guardians 2 um so then guardians 2 yeah the watcher and form we've talked about that already i love it it's it's his best cameo i reckon um it, ma- it makes it, it transcends his cameos from being cameos to like a small part of canon yeah um Spider-Man Homecoming, he's just like a, a neighbor. Oh, it's yeah. like, uh, that's just, a, it's, it's a typical, like, fun Stanley cameo, nothing too important. Uh, Thor Ragnarok, he's the hairdresser, he cuts Thor's hair, which is, is great. Yeah. Um, and I think in that scene as well, he says, like, by Odin's beard, you will not cut this hair or something like that. Mm. Um, and, um, that was like Taika Waititi was asked by a fan to put Thor's catchphrase in the film, and that's where it is. Oh, nice. Um, uh nick black panther he's like the casino hustler he's referred to uh so he's the one who's like uh when t'challa wins yeah and then he takes all his chips uh then avengers infinity war bus driver Mm -hmm. you guys ever seen a spaceship before again fun like a lot of these are just like yeah that's where he would pop up yeah um and man of the wasp he's the dude whose car gets shrunk and he says Man, the sixties were great, but I'm paying for it now. It's so funny. Like yeah. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. Um yeah, what yeah. then Captain Marvel's one is what? Uh also I was just gonna say that um like Ant Man the Wasp on the on the DVD or Blu-ray, there's um heaps of alternate takes of that and some of them oh. some of them are quite funny. Nice. Like, oh my coupons were in there. <laughs> that That's I better. Liked. I like that one better. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, so many of them are like, Oh, I, I get why you went for the, the drug one because it's funny, but like some of them are just like he's an old man and yeah. it's and it's real funny. Uh, and then Captain Marvel's one is he's playing himself essentially because he's on the bus reading the script for Mall Rats, which he had a role in uh, around that time. And then Captain Marvel's trying to suss out who uh, could possibly be a scroll, and she like pulls the script down to look him in the eye, 
and he looks up and then she kind of it lingers on her smiling at him yeah it's, um, it's interesting to acknowledge um, it's interesting tracking the Stanley cameos from inside joke for those who knows who he is to everyone knows who he is and everyone laughs when he when he appears in the film to like this is a significant we need to take a moment to thank Stanley for all the hard work he's done may he rest in peace <laughs> it, it goes from like it goes on a journey these these cameos yeah. from Iron Man to or even like beyond Iron Man like the yeah. other movies he appeared in so yeah cool man. We did it, man. You know what this means? <sighs> In four seconds, you're going to hear us talking about Endgame. I've waited my entire life for this. Cool. Okay. Uh, this is it, Richard. This is our discussion of Ned Game. I, Spider-Man's buddy, Ned. Ned Game. Uh, okay. There will be spoilers uh, from here on out. There haven't been so far. We've seen it. We've seen it. We've both seen it. Multiple times. Yes. I've seen it twice. I've seen it three times. Um, and we're going to be going through what we thought of it and, you know, why. I don't, well, I don't I f- know. I feel like this is implied. It's just the same thing as the last few yeah, discussions. Yeah, and also, and what we think the future might hold mm. as well. Uh, so, AJ, what is Endgame about? <laughs> oh, I don't have the Wikipedia synopses in front of me. I'm actually, We're actually in the same room. That's another thing oh, we yeah. should mention. This is the first podcast we've done in the same room for in ages. Since a few months ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay. So, after the snap and 50% of humanity uh, or life everywhere uh, vanished, um, the Avengers all team up again to... Uh, it's five years have passed and uh, Thanos has been killed. So they... And the stones are gone. Yeah, the stones are gone. And then Ant-Man comes out of the quantum zone and they yeah. decide to use the quantum time travel to go like, back in I time. I have to... Re- like, heavy spoilers. If yeah. you've made it this far and you didn't really want to be spoiled. Yeah. Like, we're getting Thanos into Thanos gets killed. I know, but like... <laughs> For just if you if you got to this point and you're like oh they're gonna keep going yeah we are so just yeah yeah the neighbors are like jump ship the neighbors are like the their windows open they can hear us talking and they imagine that's how you get it spoiled for oh you. you hear your next door neighbor podcaster talk about it yeah. um and, and it's not even a very popular podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you're not like honored to be hearing it live uh yeah so. They all go back to different points in history to retrieve the Infinity Stones from where they were in that, those points in history, and then they all team up again to uh, defeat old Thanos from 2014, who yeah. finds out and travels to the future. It's very, it's very, it's not complicated, but it's, it's, it's. Uh, there's a lot to take. It's in. dense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So AJ, yes. What do you think the, uh, <laughs> what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes is on this? Uh, it is 96 it is. at the moment. It is. Uh, and do you think it deserves that? I do. I yeah. do think it deserves that. This so is... much so that on my letterbox ranking, yeah. uh, and this didn't appear on the old one, this is only on the new one, uh, I've put it I put it first, Richard. So have I. What have I done? Yeah. In my ranking of every movie ever made and everything that's ever happened to me, I put Endgame number one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's pretty. That's a bit more than maybe I'd give it, but I, I I'm, <laughs> I'm willing to meet you there. Um, you know, I, th- I feel like for the purposes of the podcast. Well, so the best, the best. This is the best thing that's ever happened to you, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, right. I was gonna say, like, if I was married, I could be like, well, you know, I'm married, so yeah. Or if I had a child, I'd be like, you know, I have a child, but I'd- so yeah, fuck, maybe Endgame is the best thing. That yeah, because well, I mean, my me. life, I've had better things happen to me in my life than you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and, and Endgame's still better than all of them. So yeah. there you go. 
Um, so I can't imagine how it would look to someone to you. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, I liked this way more than I thought I would. Yeah. Way more than I thought I would. Yeah. I was saying to you that, so I, I've, if you've, obviously you've listened to uh, the previous 12 hours of us talking about this. Um, and, and so you'll know that, uh, I hold 2012's The Avengers quite highly. I can consider it until this one to be far and away my favorite Marvel film because um, of how fun it was. Uh, I liked Infinity War a lot. Like, I really did like it. But uh, Endgame is like 10 times better than Infinity War. Yeah, and that's not not saying anything bad about Infinity no, War. No, it's not at all. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, And also, Endgame works so well because Infinity War was so good. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And what you've got here is... Um, like we're not going to, again, these aren't necessarily going to be hot takes, but if you're wanting to get the podcast's general opinion of it, what I think is special about this movie is that as people use the word culmination, right? Yeah. This is the culmination of 20, 22, 21, depending how you look at it, films, um, that over 11 years. And what is cool about this is it's basically got all the satisfaction of like, like it reminded me of the last episode of Lost or the last episode of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Like in terms of storylines coming together and and things being brought back into into the fold. Uh, but the difference is is that it's got all that satisfaction of a series finale with a big Hollywood budget behind yeah, it and, and all these A-list A-listers and it's three hours. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, yeah, the only thing I could compare it to would be Return of the King. Yeah, in terms of like, and it's paying off seven times as many films. Yes. Um, yeah. And it's seven times better than Return of the King. Yeah. I said it. Yeah. And look. <laughs> it deserves seven best pictures. <laughs> look, I I feel a bit I feel like I've betrayed myself a bit by ranking this above the first Avengers. Yeah. But here's the 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 way that I kind of what I how I came to that realization is that when I first saw the Avengers, you know, go back and listen to phase one, I was I was blown away by it. I thought it was amazing, I thought it was funny, I thought it was hilarious, I thought it was action packed and, and it exciting. Is. And it is all those things. Um and I forgot what I was looking for in Marvel movies after oh, that's deep, man. After the Avengers. Because the one I was excited for after that was obviously Age of Ultron. And Age of Ultron didn't have any of those stand up and clap moments. Certainly mm. not in retrospect. Yeah. Um and I, I somewhere along the way I forgot that's what I wanted from my Marvel films. Is to is like a fuckier moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so for the first time since the Avengers, I'm watching a Marvel movie that not only does it have all these stand up and clap moments, and it has so many stand up and clap moments. Yeah. Uh, the experience watching this on the th- in the theater, I, I went to. We both went to different one pm screenings the day it came out. Second screening of the day. Yeah. You know, so in the first contingent of the populace who's seen the yeah. film or the general public, um, and one of the best cinema going experiences of my life. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then I went to another screening that night. Yeah. At quarter past nine. And again, it was like, I had to sit in the front row because I got very last minute tickets because I was just like, I have to see this again yep. as soon as possible. And oh God, it's just like, so the the moment that's the the biggest stand up and cheer, fuck it, the Thor's entrance into Wakanda of Endgame mm. is when Cap grabs Mjolnir. Oh, it's the the puny God moment yeah. of Endgame. Is Cap, oh my Cap grabbing Mjolnir. God, it's so good. Like that that's one of those things that I like- so wanted to see paid off mm. and then but thought oh it's so convoluted to get to that and i mean it is kind of the way they they get to having that because mjolnir is destroyed going into endgame um 
But, oh my gosh, they paid it off. And, like, this movie is fan service spectacular, yeah. but in the best possible way. Like, it's all these moments of fan service that are 100% earned because they've spent 11 years and 22 films building up to it and teasing them. And there's also, like... Like I cried a few times in this film. Mm. One of at least one of which was just because I was too overcome with emotion. Not even like sadness. It was like joy. Mm. I was just so overcome with emotion that all I could do was it, it was just leaking out my eyeballs. Oh, when Spider Man comes back. Oh my that, god! That was the moment where, where my lip trembled, and I was like, "Oh god, he's back! He's back!" The whole because oh, <laughs> there's this amazing shot of Cap facing off against Thanos' entire army. And there's a, uh, based on a panel, uh, presumably from the comics, where um, Cap essentially says to Thanos, um, something like, as long as one person stands in your way, you'll never achieve victory. Because mm. uh, that's basically all it takes is one person to, to say no. And that's kind of symbolic of that. And then right at that moment, when everything looks its worst, you hear Cap hears falcon coming through yeah. and then all these portals open up everyone comes in and it's like the one of the greatest things i've ever seen on film and yeah. it, i <laughs> it sounds like i'm being hyperbolic like but yeah. it actually is it, like this is the best watching this for the first time in the cinema and because we went to great lengths to avoid spoilers for this as well yeah and so beyond the the part of the setup we we knew nothing about this film, and the way everything paid off, it was just it was so perfect. And I've seen a lot of people like I, I've tried to read a lot of complaints about this film and uh, talk to people that didn't like it. And anything that they like didn't like, I either either I loved about the film or it just wasn't enough to bother me. Mm. And I actually would call this like. This is the best possible version of this film we could have gotten. I agree. And I think there's a, I feel, I feel, I pity, I sorry, I, I sorry, I feel sorry. <laughs> I sorry. I sorry. I feel sorry for those people out there who, who either don't like this or in, in my head, the, the straw man I'm imagining is like that I'm too cool for Marvel. Yeah. I know people like that. Yeah. yeah. And why, why I pity them is because they missed out on one of the f- defining films of our generation yeah because it's annoying to it's annoying that that some people wouldn't see this as a monumental achievement in filmmaking yeah and it's like fuck it it, it is it is though whether you like it or not it still is. yeah i had a massive argument with someone at work the other day um because i basically said this is the defining film of the 2010s like this is the most important film of the 2010s because whether you like it or not superhero movies specifically marvel movies have dominated this decade and this is about to be the highest grossing film of the decade presumably Mm -hmm. and it's going to bake all these box office records and it's you know paying off all of that kind of thing and he said no her is the defining film of the decade and I was like, that's okay, the that, fundamental misunderstanding with how of my argument uh, how, how iconography works. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I mean, like, here's a great film. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, no, the, the, like, uh, there's a there's a tendency to to see Marvel movies as like made by, and I guess this is because we're talking about Endgame. That's also kind of wrapping up our thoughts on the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. But like, there's a tendency to see Marvel movies as being just churned out by a machine soulless like the mcdonald's of of movies kind of thing but i like imagine if mcdonald's existed and every other fast food franchise 
you know, just tripped over and fell before they could even start. <laughs> like that that's the thing that makes Marvel so amazing and unprecedented is that like no one else has been able to do it. Everyone else yeah. is trying and no one's been able to even scratch the surface well, of what Marvel's doing. It's do. not just that they have succeeded in doing it, it's also the fact that uh, to follow your McDonald's analogy, this is also if after they started, if ever, you know all the other fast food restaurants were failing, and then McDonald's combined all their menu items into one menu item that was great, <laughs> and then over the next what nine years, well no less than that, eight seven years, they added more menu items and then put them all together again twice. <laughs> like this is this is, but then got rid of half their menu items yeah, and then brought them all back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As a chaser, look, it's <laughs> it's. So it's so, it's an achievement of, of it's, a, it's an achievement <laughs> hitherto undreamt of. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Um, yeah, man. I I it, thought. It, yeah, it actually is. Like, yeah. I I one hundred percent feel sorry for you if you're too cool for Marvel. Yeah, because the, you missed out on something awesome. Yeah, yeah, and and so so I think that. <sighs> The, the the okay, I'm going to rattle off a few things that are tangentially related that I liked about it. So they <laughs> the go. the you could call it fan service, but maybe it's not. I'd say a lot of things are paid off in this movie. A lot of things I didn't think were going to be paid off or referenced yeah. are paid off, and every one of them is amazingly satisfying. Yeah, let, let's go through a couple, shall okay. we? So the, the, there's a couple that we've already talked about that we one one like cap wielding Mjolnir which is teased in Age of Ultron mm. and then pays off in this and um, then another one which I think I complained about on the phase one episode yeah, you did. as being never paid off is Thor using his lightning to supercharge Iron Man which is kind of used twice in the film mm. um, once when Tony's um, you know having like a minor heart attack type thing in 2012 and then is Thor supercharges his arc reactor and then it's, it saves his life. I wonder if that was in there in this movie to remind you that that concept exists. Yeah, and then yeah. later on at the end, um, you know, Tony opens up his back to be like a receptacle yeah, of, yeah. and then Thor supercharges it and then bam. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there's one of them. Um, I loved the uh, the callback to the elevator scene from The Winter Soldier, yeah. and we talked on Ant-Man and the Wasp, and what other one was it that we talked about this on? Was it Infinity War that did this? Or Doc- Doctor Strange did it, yeah. where it teases a huge battle and oh, then, yeah. then gives you- Yeah, Civil War is, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 true. It gives you like an anti- not an anti-climax. Yeah, but yeah. Like it teases a big um, fight and then does some. It's give your audience what they want, but not the way they expect exactly. it. Exactly. So we see um, Cap get into the into the elevator with all these, um, you know, who we now know are Hydra agents, and we think that he's going to be like, "Before we begin, does anybody want to get out?" And he because he has to get the scepter off them, but yeah. instead of doing that, he just goes, "Hail Hydra!" Whispers, "Hail Hydra!" in, in one of their ears, and it's like. Oh my god! I almost like jizz my fucking pants just watching yeah. that moment. <laughs> oh my god! It's yeah. so good, man. It's so good. And then, um, but there's a couple of like little, um, like lines of dialogue that are repeated that I really like. There was um, in Ant Man and the Wasp, um, Scott's talking about his experience in Civil War, and he says like, "Oh, you know, Cap asked me to do it," and hopes like Cap. And then in um, Endgame, she calls him Cap, and then they're like, mm. they share this look with the like. Mm. And then uh, another another subtle one kind of thing is in Civil War. A moment I forgot to talk about in the podcast. I think that I really like is um, when they're all fighting in the airport in Germany, and Hawkeye 
uh, you know, comes face to face with Black Panther, who they're on different teams, and he goes, "Hey, we haven't met yet. I'm Clint." And then and Black Panther's just like, "I don't care." <laughs> and then in in game, he's like, "Clint." Pass yeah. it to me, and yeah, it's like yeah, he yeah. did care. Yeah, he <laughs> did care. Yeah, so it's it's all sorts of th- things like that. Another thing that I think this movie does amazingly is every character, every character who you would hope ha- want you would want to have something to do in the film has something to do. Particularly Ant Man and even Doctor Strange, who's only in it for a little bit. Mm. Um, two two characters who who we like better. We've both said we like better in their in movies that aren't their yeah. own movies. Ant Man in this film is is borderline like third main character after yeah. after Iron Man and Cap basically. Yeah, well he's one of the only characters we see alone as well. Is he? Yeah, I think. Okay. Well, I don't know. well just with that like has a solo adventure that we see. Right. Yes, yeah, sure. Whereas the other ones are all teamed yeah. up and- Um and and like the the I cheered when he turns into giant man to get everyone to get Rocket, Rhodey, and yeah, and that's like the Hulk. base. He's fucking huge. Yeah, as well. he get, get, gets them out of um drowning in, in the destroyed Avengers base. I'm you you must have seen this movie because we're not we're not you're not going to be six hours deep into a podcast <laughs> that you haven't seen. You're not going to get this far enough to care. We're not, without, I mean, more yeah. mean we're not explaining things. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. just presuming you know what we're talking about. Um. Oh, and that that final battle, the the all the like little things that come in when you're not expecting them to. Uh, Captain Marvel destroying the ship is awesome. Um, the uh, just the, the the journey of all the characters throwing the new gauntlet to get it to the time machine in time. Yeah. Um, and of course, let's talk about this now. The I am inevitable, clink. I am Iron Man. Yeah. Snap moment. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. Yeah. Ah, uh, so good. Um, also, if you're listening to this um, and you don't know, the kid standing alone is the kid from Iron Man Three. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> you'll you'll know what that means if you're wondering what it means. Um, if if you picked it up on first watch, good for you. But um, should we address some of the complaints about this movie? Okay. Oh, just 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 because I, I want to see people being like, because I know I've seen I've already dealt with people that have been like, why why aren't you saying this is an issue? Mm. Um. So one thing that um, our top fan, Ben Close, mm. um, commented on my letterbox review of, which basically said it was a perfect film. In fact, it did say it was a perfect film. <laughs> he said, oh, "I'm kind of disappointed you're not say you didn't point out that Carol was essentially useless in the film." Um, I don't know if useless. I get what you mean, but I don't think useless is the right word because she punches a spaceship in half, yeah. which is the most useful thing in almost and any. I game also, does. I also think Carol. They give her a good excuse to not be there. Yeah, I think it's kind of like, it's a very hand-wavy excuse. It's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be gone for a while. But it makes sense that they wouldn't necessarily call her to do their time heist. So she's off helping other planets, which yeah, yeah is a good enough reason. And then when the final fight starts, it's very unexpected. And then she's presumably on the other side of the universe and then gets there as quick as she can, yeah. just in time to punch the spaceship in half. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, I think she, she did... Also, Fine. another another complaint I heard that's similar there is that was watching it a second time. I picked up on how it gets explained. Yeah, is one of my friends was like, "Why wouldn't they just? Why wouldn't Thanos use his ship to just blast them from the get go? Because you know the blasters come out, and that's when Captain Marvel destroys the ship. And like, yeah, yeah. Um, but before when Thanos uh, says like goes fire at them, one yeah. of his lackeys yeah. is like, "But but sire the truce or something like the, that. The troops, the troops. Oh, yeah, because it's saying that like- makes so much." <laughs> 
Shut up, Rowan. You're not supposed to be in this room. <laughs> um, yeah, no, nah, like, um, because it's basically like um, fire down on everything. And then, yeah, he says, essentially, you're killing us as much as you're killing them. And Thanos is like, just do it. Yeah. Okay. That makes what did you sense. think about the truce? I want. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you thought. I thought the it was a wonderful was. little piece of world building that there was some kind of truce that meant they couldn't fire down on other planets. Maybe, but, but then they already had at that point because yeah. they blew up the. Yeah. That's so funny that, that you were watching that and thought, ah, a truce. Ah, the yeah. truce. The truce. <laughs> um, another one, another complaint, and it's like, yeah, it's one of these things. Like, yeah, we have to talk about it because everyone's going on about it. Is there's a scene in the film where all all the female characters. <laughs> have their kind of like girl power, you know, money shot. Mm-hmm. And there's a few sides to that. I mean, obviously, there's just the like, ooh, why, why a woman taking over my- Woman my bl- in my seri- superhero movie? And it's a very pat yourself on the back kind of shot yep. from Marvel. And um, I mean, I guess the, the kind of the, the only sort of valid complaints I would say is that like it, it's, it's Captain Marvel has to run the gauntlet, literally. Um, and then, um, everyone else is like, yeah, you know, Peter's like, how's Peter Parker's like, how's she going to do that? And then all the girls like, she's, she's got help. And it's like, she's literally the most powerful person on this entire battlefield. Mm. She'd like, like any help you give her isn't going to matter. Yeah. Um, and that, that would be, that's the only reason that they're like, from a story point of view, it's kind of like yeah. a little redundant, but I, I, I mean, I, I, I like the shot. I like the moment that yeah. it's like this cool moment where you have all these badass female characters that that team up but yeah it's one of those things that when i first saw it i was like oh god i'm gonna see so many so much comment so many comments about this <laughs> um yeah i mean what did you think of it yeah i mean yeah cool celebrate women there's nothing wrong yeah. with celebrating women i think um the, the only issue i would say is that it, it's it's a shame that it took you 22 films to have enough characters to do this yeah for sure. Like, yeah. Um, but that's the further Marvel problem, which we've discussed a few times. And um, my conclusion is that's more of the um, producers up top, not the creatives that we've yeah. that we come to love. At least yeah. that's what I want to believe. And also another thing that's like um, progressive about this movie is it features the the cinematic universe, at least the like the you know the, the movie's first openly gay character, I believe, mm-hmm. played, played by, by Joe Russo, the one of the directors. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's this like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't seen many like articles about it. They're like, yeah, go Marvel for having your first openly gay character because it's like, you know, I wouldn't really count this as like a, 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 win. a win. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, but and then at the same time, it, it's if they'd had other openly gay characters, this is quite a cool, like, yeah, there's just like this guy who goes on a date with another guy and talks about it in a sport group. Yeah. Um, but it's like this guy relegated to one scene and it took the director playing him to get him in the film (laughs) (laughs) like they're trying and maybe it's not good enough but they are trying (laughs) yeah um so the anyway fuck oh what a good movie the the other big thing that people have complained about and probably the only thing that i would maybe point to a deficit about the movie would be the time travel rules uh, yeah. confusing a lot of people and i we walked out of the movie tonight and i said you know i think i understand it now and then rowan said yeah it's this and i was like oh that's not what i thought it was at all. <laughs> so clearly there's, there's maybe there's room for interpretation and i think part of the reason it's become a problem for people is that they talk about it in dialogue they they yeah. try to they try to be the audience surrogate and be like no because this 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 and you go and you go okay so those are your time travel rules and then they kind of dismantle yeah. them at the same time it's one of those things like i understand the time travel rules enough that it doesn't 
uh, like I don't mind. Yeah. And it, it doesn't confuse me too much or I don't, I'm not going to stay awake worrying about it. But at the same time, I don't know that I could explain it very well. Other than what Hulk says in the movie that if you travel to the past, that past is now your future. So shall I try to say my interpretation of the yeah. time travel? Okay. So I don't think there are alternate realities. I think if there are alternate realities, we would we, have we been- We don't see them. Yeah. We would have been shown. It feels weird to not show well, us those. Realities. Uh, yeah, no. See, I think there are alternate realities. We're just never shown any of them. Like our our in game and all the entire Marvel universe takes place on one timeline. And when these things happen, they are creating alternate realities. But then at the end, by returning the stones, they're destroying those alternate realities and keeping the same timeline. So they're destroying alternate realities. Yeah. Yeah. No. So we're on the same page. Then. Yeah. 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 Yes. So they they by the end of the film, the other alternate realities don't exist anymore. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. My, so at the end of the film, Cap goes back in time and presumably returns all the soul stones. And I, I'm pretty sure Mjolnir, he would have had to return as well to their original. Yeah, it takes Mjolnir with them. Yeah, yeah, their original place before they grabbed them, so that all the previous movies can still play out exactly. Yeah, as they it's, did. it's like if you imagine using Back to the Future as a, or specifically Back to the Future Two as an example. You know when he talks about. Um, we have to go back and skewed off into this tangent. Yeah. Like imagine, so when he, when Biff goes back and puts the sports almanac back um, and then when Marty and Doc return to 1985, they would return to their normal 1985, but parallel to that would be the Donald Trump Biff timeline, mm. but they're only able to travel within their timeline. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like I exist on a timeline- mm. And I can go back and make an alternate one. Yeah, but I can't travel to it. So there are two things that I think throw a throw a a, a wrench in that theory, which I think is the theory we just have to explain. Yeah. One is Nebula kills her past self and doesn't die in in the present. Yeah, because that was <laughs> classic time travel. No, 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 no. So <laughs> yeah, but that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, this is kind of like a I can make sense of it in my head, but I can't articulate it. Right. Okay. Well, the other one would be Cap returning as an old man at the end. Yes, I think that's fine. I think there's, there's just two Captain Americas. How do you? They live in a they live in a loop. Like a so, loop. so from 1970 to 2008, no, 2023, there's two Captain Americas. So the one's one- frozen in ice until 2012. The other one lives out his life with Peggy. Yeah, I, I get that, but but I'm more saying like the implications that Cap went and married Peggy in the past, even and like because we see Peggy in later films where she mentions that she got married after Steve. Yeah, I left. think that they've they've agreed to keep that that a secret from. But this 2012. Is, yeah, this, Cap, this yeah. is headcanon though because they don't confirm yeah, yeah, this in yeah. the movie. That we we might yeah our theory is that she um she and Cap are secretly married in the past and that was always the way it was. Yeah. Rowan, stop it. You're very distracting to be shaking your head in the corner of the room. I'm every listener right now telling you you're wrong. No, not every. No one's listened this far. <laughs> you're the only listener. Well, I guess you are every listener then. Oh. Um, <laughs> I think there's a bunch of alternate Rowans. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it is open to interpretation. And it's one of those things like as long as you can watch it and not be confused about it, Fine. Your interpretation is correct. Yeah, and I think the other thing is so Cap goes back and returns all the gems and all the gems, all the infinity stones. Yeah. And that, I guess to me, that's such a monumental task that it's interesting. It's an interesting decision on the on the part of the filmmakers that we don't see it. 
It's because it there's so much it like so Cap goes to Asgard. What Cap Cap puts the ether back into Natalie Portman's butt. Yeah. <laughs> what so what what I guess I'm getting at is like, and I said to you, this to you guys before as we walked out today is like, if this were a lighter movie, if, yeah. the, if this movie wasn't as heavy, the end credits would have like. Greetings from Asgard postcard come yeah. up and it's it's Cap putting the ether back in Natalie Portman and then greetings from you know when he, v- Vormir Vormir where he's giving the Soul Stone back to Red Skull and they're interacting <laughs> and he's like oh. yeah yeah <laughs> like if this was a more if this was Ant Man and the Wasp that would yeah. have an ending like that it just feels like so so part of me is like I wish maybe Sam and Bucky had gone back with Cap to return all the the stones and that that has two things that way we get to see oh and sorry when they come back Cap doesn't come back and they're like where's Cap right and that's you still get the same beats essentially it's just been right. longer time has passed for Bucky and Sam um, but you also get a plot for the <laughs> the Bucky and Sam TV show. What? Return the stones. <laughs> why with not? Why then not? Why is it a Bucky and Sam, and Sam TV show? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm saying. What am I saying? I'm saying like you wish they had a um, Monsters Inc. esque put that thing back where it came from style post credit scene. Yeah, kind of, like obviously it wouldn't have fit the film, but it's such a huge. It's such a huge implication to not show us. I guess. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just another thing that. Didn't I don't really care that much, and it oh, didn't, yeah. didn't ruin the movie. No, for me of course it didn't ruin the movie for me. Um, another thing, another complaint I had from uh, someone at work who I'm not going to name because he's very upset that he <laughs> didn't like this movie, and I don't want people to attack him. Um, is he said like basically the movie's very, um, uh, it's just full of callbacks and references, and it's just made to sell toys. Um, fuck yeah, strap me the fuck in and give it to me, like. Uh, I want to see. He said the, the worst one for him was um, when uh, Bucky, when Cap is leaving to take back all the stones, and he says, "Don't do anything stupid until I get back." And then Bucky says, "How could I? You're taking all the stupid with you," which is what they the the inverse of what they said to each other when Bucky first went out to war. And I was like, "Yeah, that's a great like that's the kind of thing like I would say to you. Mm. You know, I would I would call back if 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 I thought you know if, if at one point you thought." I was leaving forever, and then I left forever. We would have that, yeah. You know, yeah, that back and forth. It's fun to reference old things like that. To me, that's the least egregious one. No, I, I didn't even realize it was a callback. Yeah. So, but to me, those other callback moments, they are fan service. But fan service, first of all, fan service is as a term like racial appropriation, where it's not it's not inherently bad. Like it's just it's just refers it's just a definition of yeah, a yeah. thing um, that that a lot of the time is represented poorly. So yeah. yeah, it's sure it maybe it is fan service, but maybe it's not because it's intrinsically interwoven into the plot. Like they have to go back to the Battle of New York. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. have to do these things to get the stones back. And in a way, it to me it balances like organic narrative with fan service. It balances them perfectly. Because yeah, all things should be balanced. Yeah. Thanos. And it's a and <laughs> because of that, the movie is perfect. Yeah. Like, and despite having flaws, this movie's perfect. It's like back to what, like what we said all those years ago when the three of us were in a room together talking about Back to the Future. That it's imperfections make it perfect. Sure. Like, you know, yeah. There's when because a movie it feels more yeah. personal. You can you feel like you could be friends with the writers of this movie because yeah. they they are having just as much revelry in creating the story and putting all the pieces together. Because that's part of as well, like the way this film is written and directed and all, any kind of like input into the narrative. It's I I said to you earlier today. I was like, I hope 
in at some point in my life i have the opportunity of putting together something even like a modicum of yeah, what like a Endgame. like a finale of something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope that if I do that, I have that light bulb moment where I'm like, why don't we make? Why don't we like put the funnest things we can? Yeah, yeah. Into what, this what's movie? the most fun? Thing what's we the most can fun do? thing we can do? Yeah. yeah, and having all every single character, you know, minus maybe like a dozen that mm. that we've seen, having every single character come in and fight together and all have their moment to shine. Yeah, that's oh my, it's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, like everything is paid off in this film. It, like I can't think of any loose ends in the MCU that I'm now like, oh god, when are they gonna I, bring that yeah, back? Yeah. I've been trying to think of one. <laughs> I'm sure there are, but I'm like, there's nothing in the MCU that I, I, I'm not either confident is still to be addressed. Like there's a couple things in Guardians two that's very obviously set up for Guardians three, and I'm not annoyed it's not paid off in the Endgame. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's it's it's yeah. fantastic, and I think the the reason. The reason I like it now more than the first Avengers is because it has it mixes all those fuckier moments that I was talking about before and all those fan service moments with a a wonderful story, like a wonderful narrative yeah. that is exciting and compelling, and it's kind of split up into three different acts, like three definable parts yeah, of the yeah. movie. I feel yeah, it actually is, and they and they almost fall at like the hour mark. So yeah. like it's one hour before they start time traveling, yeah. and then the final battle starts an hour later. Yeah, yeah, and that all of that to me is just so exciting and wonderful and perfect, and so it's the yeah, it's those it's those best you know the the um. The cream of the crop of blockbuster ideas and entertainment and pieces of entertainment mm. combined with emotion and genuine a g- genuine good storytelling yeah. capping off. Because we're things. saying goodbye to characters yeah. that we've loved for eleven years. Yeah. And that's the whole hitherto undreamt of thing, is that like no other I mean, I guess the closest thing would be like Logan, but this is like imagine every single character from X Men getting their Logan in the same movie and it works. Yeah, yeah, you know, like you're saying goodbye to all the. Well, I mean, you're not saying goodbye to all of them, but like this perfect payoff. Yeah, for every single character, it's incredible. Um, but another thing, because I was very, I saw this and I was like, this is actually the greatest experience of my life watching this in the cinema. Yeah, and then I was like, oh man, I do not want to have to go into my group chat with Rowan and AJ and have and and they hated it and then you were like fuck you're just like Jesus Christ that was <laughs> that was maybe the best movie I've the one of the best movies I've ever seen because not only am I probably the biggest Marvel fan yeah. out of us but I and and very blind to these movies flaws admittedly um but i mean they don't have any flaws but um <laughs> except for thor the dark world yeah <laughs> fuck this yeah. which but, is um, revisited inexplicably they that's like they're, they're we're going to revisit the avengers you know the the classic marvel yeah. film avengers cool, cool. guardians of the galaxy oh, the best one. infinity war yeah yeah and then uh, um, uh, thor, the thor the dark world we're going to revisit that too okay um but yeah and also uh, wish we didn't put the ether in thor the dark world (laughs) i was so surprised that you liked it because not only did i i mean i just just didn't think it would be able to live up to um your sort of standards of the avengers but also it's a heist movie which you famously don't oh, like. I, did, I didn't understand the heist parts of this movie. <laughs> Particularly because they were- they You were, hate the second they, act yeah, of the They film. were connected to time travel, which is the other part of this movie I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. No, look, I I really wanted to like this. and bef- it's, it's so funny reading the naivete in my build-up to it because in, in our group chat, Rowan, um, hey, Rowan, um, you, asked, you asked us if we thought it was going to be better than Infinity War. And I, I sort of was like, well- 
I think Infinity War certainly had the advantage because Infinity War all it had to do was set up the cliffhanger. Yeah. And it did that, and that's one of the most iconic pieces of you know pop culture moments in, in our Last lifetime. Year, yeah. And and so I was like, that has the you know do you when you think of the original Star Wars trilogy, do you remember Luke, I am your father, or do you remember? I remember no, I am your father. No, I which am, is the actual line. Well, I remember it differently. <laughs> the, the Mandela effect. Um, or do you, you know? Do you remember the the Ewok party at the end when they win? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you remember the 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 cliffhanger, the cliffhanger, and so I was like, it's got that advantage basically. And as you know, Avengers is if, if the first Avengers for me. I'm just sort of repeating myself at this point, but I'll just get to the end of this point. But you come this far, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're still going to keep listening. Um, if, if Avengers was was to me was just like a delicious, um, you know, I've referred to it before as a casserole of all these yeah. all these amazing amazing foods, and then Infinity War was like, yeah, cool, this is uh, worthy. To, like, I prefer Avengers, but this is, uh, you know, it's it's cool to take. What kind the story of food is it? In this place, it's just, it's just a not as good casserole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, then Avengers Endgame is you're starving and you go to a buffet and everything's free and everything's casserole. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, it was just. I, as I said, I thought this was ten times better than Infinity War. I was, yeah. I was so unprepared. I was Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I was so comically underprepared for how Comic. much I was gonna enjoy this movie. Yeah. Oh we're in God. the same room, so I can't cut out you saying comic awkwardly in the middle of that scene. No, because it, like it wouldn't be in the edit. Uh, but it's funny because you said comically, and I was I like, get hey, comic. I get it. I get it. Yeah. See, so now you don't need to cut it out. You mm. can cut it this now. Part. Now you've explained it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I. Uh, yeah. I was because I, I think I, I like I said to you got to before we watched the movie. I was like, this actually has to be bad for me to not think it's the best one <laughs> like yeah. if, if it's not like i can't imagine the, the scale of it and seeing all the characters together and, and everything like that is like unless the movie's actually really bad and i rank it in my bottom like three or four it's it's going to be either one or two you know i'm yeah. not there's no way that it would it falls in between that just because of how blind i am to yeah. marvel's flaws but um and then it ended up being Good enough that I don't even have to justify its position. Yeah. Because it is the greatest movie ever made. And other, and other critics agree with you as well. Yeah, exactly. That's the most satisfying is seeing it get a 96. Yeah. On, on Rotten Tomatoes where Infinity War and was that, at 85. That's another thing about the, the Marvel movie. We're talking about like how it's the Marvel Studios, what Marvel's done with the MCU is, you know, unparalleled because not only- are all these films making a shit ton of money? But then you look at something like you know Transformers, or most of them made like a billion dollars. But twenty two films that are all critically well received, even the bad ones, mm. are still over sixty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, using that as a you know um, whatever. But that's incredible. Yeah, and to have all these different directorial voices in it, um, and you just have one guy that oversees everything. Mm. It's that's yeah. And now for them to just. Um fuck it up with far from home in a few months yeah which um, is now makes this podcast incomplete yeah so i'd love to talk about um implications moving forward um maybe perhaps we could talk about the deaths or cha- fundamental changes to different characters yeah. so you've got some ones that um we might we might not need to dwell on so things like i feel like hulk doesn't need to be in any more movies now because he's at peace and he's professor hulk now and yeah yeah um i wouldn't be upset if, if hulk never never comes back yeah um i i feel like th- i'm glad thor is kept in the 
and and you know he hasn't he's yeah. not he's not now an old man or dead. Um, he's, he's the, just fat. He's of the original three, and now he's joined the Guardians. And I, you know, I, title title idea. We talked about Guardians of the Galaxy dot yeah. MP three. Title idea for Guardians of the Galaxy three is just as Guardians of the Galaxy, but as is like in brackets and written crudely by Thor on, <laughs> yeah. on the logo. But then it's like Asgard doesn't have a U in it. Oh well. Cross out the U. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, So like, I don't know what Taika was planning with Thor four, but I feel like putting. I I think Thor. Well, yeah, I think Thor is now just. You know, he doesn't get any more solo movies, but he's in the Guardians of Galaxy three. Yeah, Uh, which is which is cool. And now that now that he's been turned essentially into comic relief, and he's a fat (laughs) character, you know, chuck him in the Guardians is it's perfect place for him. Where every character can be comic relief and also have these really deep character moments Mm. and. Uh, I'm interested to see what James Dunn, James Gunn does with the character in the third one because we were talking on the car on the way to the movie about how on the car. Oh yeah, we were, we're on the roof of the car. <laughs> like, Slow the fuck down! Um, about how, like, after rewatching the films, I'm so glad James Gunn is back. Mm. I like, I, I, I always was, but it's like if there, there was a franchise that needed the original creator or the creative voice to finish it off i'm so glad it's guardians of galaxy yeah um so yeah i'm i'm very very satisfied with thor in this movie um especially the because i so i really liked thor ragnarok and in infinity war it kind of felt like they were retiring everything from thor ragnarok yeah and i'm so i was when when they go to first of all new asgard so yeah. we've confirmed that the entire heart of Ragnarok isn't null and void now because Asgard, yeah. as a people, still exists in this place. That was awesome. Yeah. Then you see Valkyrie, who was on one of the posters, so I was like, whatever, but it's cool to see her yeah. back again. Uh, and then, fuck, when they go into Thor's house and Korg and Meek are there, it actually was one. It was wonderful to see them. <laughs> it, was, it warmed my heart just to see it. See them not be ignored, I guess, in a way. Um, to... <laughs> Yeah, it was awesome to see them there. Just to see them be acknowledged in this small way, so that we know a that they're not they weren't snapped, which is cool. But also just that hey, we didn't forget Ragnarok. Yeah, and, and also still- Cork has a couple of moments in the. Well, he doesn't have like a moment, but you see him a few times in the final yeah, battle. Yeah. And again, that's that's really cool that they included yeah. him in that. Um, um, and, but because he was imagine a fan they got, favorite. Yeah, imagine if they got Taika Waititi to be that mocap Thor the Korg without saying anything, running into the battle. Yeah, well, I was thinking that because like um, Korg is a character that like if if everyone had hated him, you just, you can just not put him in the final battle. Yeah. easily because he's a C- he's fully CGI, doesn't say anything. Um, and if and people love him, you can just give him his own moment where he doesn't say anything, or yeah. get Tyke on the phone to be like, ah, ugh, yeah, yeah, and then you know put him in. Um, yeah, and what? Yeah, so yeah, and you don't mind Fat Thor? No, I love that Fat Thor. I think yeah. it, like okay, you needed to do something because so they they did what I thought they were going to do was make Thor fat. No, which was saw that coming a mile. Which away. was um, if because Cap was like kind of on C story level for infinity yeah, war yeah. like it was basically iron man and his and the guardians and yeah well yeah thanos Th- thanos iron man and thor thor if they have the main adventures and everyone else kind of moves peripherally to them or at least the stuff on wakanda it didn't feel like cap was the main guy there it felt like they were all yeah. operating at the same level so it was like yeah yeah so it was like thanos iron man uh thor then ensemble basically yeah and in this film it was more Iron Man, Cap, and Thor was was you know yeah. dulled down a bit, but um like just in the same way they gave 
um, cap a beard in Infinity War. They made four, four fat in this one. <laughs> you know? Like, so we've got the, the. So we still have new toys. Yeah, well, we do have new toys, but it's also it is just it's just an easy it's a real easy way to just make Thor be a presence in the film. Yeah, I guess. and more of a presence because he's yeah, fatter. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he, there, there are some awesome Thor moments in this. Like, yeah. I, I really love the point, the part where he um where he's trying to be the one that snaps the new gauntlet and, yeah. and he's like, please let me do this. I ha- Let me do something good. Yeah. And it's like a very and desperate Another moment, moment that uh, we haven't talked about um, on or off pod is that I really like is when uh, Professor Hulk and um, Rocket go to see Thor and the Korg and Mika there and Hulk mentions Thanos and he's like, you know, Thor kind of has a breakdown and says, don't, don't say that. And he like grabs the scruff mm. of his shirt and he's just like, please take your hand off of me, Thor. Yeah, it's, and, it's so gentle, but like three. But also, yeah, time. well, it's also I'm not threatened by you. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I really like that moment. It's yeah, such nice. a, um, it's that like this gives you power. Over me. <laughs> um, no, oh man, Ruffalo is. I love Ruffalo so much too. Yeah, and also um, because I've seen a lot of people online complain about like how the, the, they changed Hulk and Banner quite a lot that like you know banner never acted like this and it's like it makes a lot of sense to me because we meant it's mentioned in or it's kind of shown in ragnarok that because he hulk was hulk himself for a couple of years and so he had he had a mental age of quite young Mm -hmm. and then you're combining that with bruce banner yeah and then so you you kind of would get a meeting in the middle personality as well but then you also think about how reserved Bruce Banner's had to be for his well ever since the accident mm. um and because he he doesn't want to let it, he's been very closed off he doesn't want to let anyone in because he knows he's got this horrible thing inside of him and also he can't get too worked up about anything yeah his heart rate can't get too elevated because then he turns into the Hulk and then so this is kind of because now that he's fully okay with himself and the Hulk and they're they've both got this newfound confidence. It's the first time we ever see Bruce Banner with his hair down, essentially. Yeah. And I, I really like what they did with the character. Like, yeah, same. Yeah, it doesn't feel like, and but And also a lot of people were, and this was another the guy at work that didn't like it, that complained about that we, the we uh, Thor, uh, sorry, Hulk and Banner's issues were resolved off screen. And it's like, yeah, I don't really care. Like, well, it's more that you can't. We can't get a solo Hulk film again. Yeah, and they gave him an arc over a few movies. And yeah, and but it's it's t- the resolution of that arc is off screen. But he he explains what happened, and yeah. it's like I, I don't know that seeing it would have been particularly interesting. Yeah, no, sure, totally. And mm. he get, he gets enough to do in the mo- in the movie because, um, of course, Black Widow dies, probably most unexpected death of the movie. Yeah. Um, particularly because she's got a solo film coming out next year. Yeah, probably the next movie after Far From Home is the Black Widow movie. Yeah. Um, I what did you what did you think of Black Widow's death? Uh, I I really liked this this the scene where mm-hmm. it's like it's it's a fight to the death, but they're by they both want to be the one that dies. It's a cool yeah, it's a cool idea for a scene. Yeah. Um, but and it was one of those things where either one of them could have been the one that died. There, there's like a narrative reason for either clint hawkeye mm. or black widow to die and it does make sense because you know you want to see hawkeye be reunited with his family but yeah it was it was a pretty crazy thing like yeah it was yeah. very unexpected and yeah begin knowing that she has a solo movie coming out um made it even more unexpected but yeah and- i mean i didn't have any narrative issues with it i guess she's kind of Again, it's sort of an age of Ultron how she talks about how she's a monster and she's like done all these horrible things. And I guess that's her making peace with that or kind of wanting to end her life in a mm. 
make a sacrifice for the greater good. Do you think Scarlett Johansson's bummed out she didn't get to be in the final battle? Like, yeah, just- uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like we said with with um, killing Groot too early in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's yeah. like it's a nice moment, but you then miss out on him being the you said it yourself, bitch. We're the yeah, Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, it is like it, it, it's it's a give and take. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I, I'd be kind of disappointed if no other characters died. Almost mm. like to to, have, to go through all this and not have anyone die until Iron Man does the snap. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, yeah, it is a trade-off that yeah. you then miss and out same, on. Because Vision, Vision is not even in the film. Yeah. So another character doesn't um, come back. And Gamora is... The, the Gamora we know doesn't exist still. Yeah. It's we Gamora get Gamora from, from 2014. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, okay. So uh, we'll talk more about probably the Black Widow solo film in just a second. But we, sh- we should probably discuss Iron Man... Iron Man's death, Tony yeah. Stark's end to his, <laughs> because before this movie, and I, t- I don't know if I'd said it on pod, but I said it to you guys that in my the the economy of Thor cap Iron Man in my mind was Thor's only just got good, so don't kill Thor. Yeah, we need Thor in future movies. Yeah, and I was like, out of Cap and Iron Man, I feel like Iron Man needs needs the closure more. Yeah. So Cap feels like the one who dies in a sacrificial. Yeah. Well. Way. What? Yeah. The way I saw saw again, Thor's only just gotten cool, so you want to keep him around for longer. Um. But like, Cap's story arc ends with a sacrificial death, and Tony's ends with a happy ending. Mm. And so, and with Tony, they kind of had their cake and ate it too by giving him a happy ending for five years and then killing him. I was thinking of that as well. And that's 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 how I was satisfied with this. Yeah, because we get to see Tony settle down with a family, but then we can st- see that he's actually still not 100% like, you know, because he, mm. he, he invents time travel and then can't keep his mind off it. Mm. And it's like, you know, he's got this duty. And then, uh, but again with Cap, even though I said like his story arc ends with a sacrificial death, I... It was another one of those like cat wielding Mjolnir where I was like, I would love to see him end up with Peggy, but I don't know how yeah, they yeah. can make that happen. And they did. And it was amazing. Yeah. And, and it's gotten a lot of hate online, mainly from when that plot point was spoiled like a week beforehand. And people were like, that's a horrible ending. That must not be true. But seeing it, and I mean, I don't have a problem with it on paper either, but seeing it, it's the perfect end to the film and to, to that character. And, and a good way to write out Chris Evans without killing off the character as well. Yeah, because just killing off both your two leads is kind of lazy. Yeah. So- with with Tony Stark as well, I think my problem with the idea of killing off a character is, is they even mentioned in the, in the film when Clint is talking to um, uh, Scarlet Witch and he's like, I wish there was some way I could tell her, uh, Romanoff, that we won. Yeah. That's how I would have felt if Iron Man had died without seeing victory. Yeah. I would yeah. have been like, I wish. It's he, like he the needs- Brian Cranston and Godzilla problem. Yeah. Yeah. He needs <laughs> to at least see the culmination of his victory. And he does get that because mm. after he snaps his fingers and kills Thanos, we get like Pepper's talking to him and she says to him, we're going to, you know, we're going to be safe. We're going to be okay. Yeah, you can rest now. You can rest now. And it's yeah. like, that is closure. It's, yeah. it's seconds before he dies, but that is closure. And also speaking of closures, another thing that's like, I didn't didn't think they would get it in there, but he even gets closure with his dad. Yeah, like yeah. He, he they travel back in time to the nineteen seventies, and he has this conversation with his dad, who is freaking out because Tony's about to be born. Mm. And yeah, that was that. That was another like 
they, they yeah like i said earlier this is the best possible version of this movie we could get yeah because there's so much in it that you i didn't think there'd be a way to be able to yeah. get in it yeah who do you reckon's the best actor in the film that um, gives the best performance Oh, there's so many good performances in it. I'm, I'm I giving mean, it to, to Downey Jr. Yeah, I mean, obviously Downey <laughs> Jr. But one one surprisingly good, well, I mean, not surprisingly, that sounds rude, but um, one like really good underrated performance is um, Karen Gillan as Nebula. Yeah, she's so big in this movie. Like, yeah, like she has such, such, such a big part and it, it'll be such a horrible part to play as well, like having yeah. to put all that shit on. Um, no, that's why. They were like, uh, we got to give her something. <laughs> yeah, but then it's like she has to be in the makeup even more. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, she, she's great in this film, and, and Nebula's had a, a great sort of character arc over her mm. um, film appearances. Um, but, oh, there's so many good yeah. performances in the film. Scarlett, mm-hmm. oh, actually, um, Jeremy Renner as well yeah, yeah. is so good in this film. And it, it's like uh, all the Hawkeye fans that were so disappointed he wasn't in, in Infinity War, it's, it's so paid this off This is here. so satisfying yeah, for yeah, Hawkeye yeah. fans. Yeah, yeah. like if you, if you genuinely love Hawkeye for some reason mm. – and you were devastated he wasn't in Infinity War. Like, it's maximum Hawkeye. Yeah. It's, it's so good. And look, I, I, yeah, I, so the last thing I want to say before we can maybe move on to talking about the future is they've done, they do, they've done this, done this before where like they retro, like in Civil War, where they retroactively mention events from Age of Ultron to kind of fix the flaws with Age of Ultron. And then in this, when right, right at the start, when Tony Stark is like, Didn't I say that we had to build a suit of armor around the world? I yeah. was like, This is great. This is everything that is Tony coming to a, yeah. a head here. Um, and the other thing I thought was, uh, we mentioned it before, but the fact that they revisit Thor the Dark World and um, reestablish Thor's relationship with his mum and make that actually meaningful. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, like Renee Russo has more to do in this film than her other two yeah, Thor exactly. And it is nice to give because uh, obviously Thor and Loki's relationship was, um, you know, built on over like four films. Um, and then as with Odin, he has quite a poignant, death scene where he's like you know apologizes to his kids and then later on he sees him when he um what are you god of hammers and then he never had that closure moment with his with his mum yeah and that was that was really nice yeah um yeah it's fuck man Hmm. this movie holy shit so much is going on in it and it's yeah it's like this podcast this six hour podcast (laughs) cool all right so in the in the interest of not overbloating it to seven hours which it may already be at this point i can't remember what it is at the moment um (laughs) so the black widow solo movie so so, okay first of all actually far from home yeah um if they don't mention the snap and that half of the world are five years older than (laughs) or half half. of the universe yeah this this thing that every planet in the universe relates to if they don't mention that heavily in every mcu film from now on that's going to be unrealistic so it's kind of damned itself in a way yeah it's like um uh kingsman how they Mm. they killed so many people at the end of the first one it's never mentioned in the second one yeah this is this is a huge huge event yeah i hope that in a few weeks when endgame is Everyone's, everyone who wants to see it has seen it, that the Far From Home marketing changes completely. Mm. and Or we get like some kind of confirmation that it's like, yeah, what you've seen isn't, hasn't been the whole truth and we are, get it, we are dealing with because it. Because to me, it is, and I get, I get they're doing it because it's financial and Sony are in charge of Spider-Man. But to me, it's like, God, like, you, 
you're not ending with this. Like, you're not even waiting a year before the next Marvel movie after Endgame. If they had waited a year to release Spider-Man Homecoming, or Far From Home, sorry, then I think that would solve a lot of this problem because you at least get a feeling that time has passed. Yeah, and... um I, I said this on a post we made on Cop Pop Show about uh, that, like, because Age of Ultron seems like the obvious end for Phase 2, but it ends with Ant-Man. Mm. And I think that's more due to wanting to start Phase 3 with Civil War. And I do wonder what the next film is after, because presumably it's Black Widow. That's the only one that they're, that's, like, about to start filming. Because, mm. um, you know, it's coming out early next year. They've got a Marvel movie coming out early next year. They haven't announced what it is. But, um, yeah, or the, or the Eternals, which I've, which feels like it'll take longer to come out because there'll be more VFX and post-production work on it. Uh, but, yeah, I do wonder if they're doing the same thing where they want to start Phase 4 on something that's, like, very obvious. It's just weird. The, Far From Home is... My my, I feel like it's going to be my least favorite placed Marvel film. Um, so okay, so the Black Widow movie, if that's the first one next year, there are the way I see it, there's three options they have for a Black Widow movie. One is a prequel, which feels like the most obvious route, but also the one that I do, I one don't want them to do. Yeah, because it's like, why do we want a prequel for a character we're never going to see again? And two, uh, it fe- it feel very weird for. Marvel to make a film that isn't building towards another team up eventually. Yeah, and also that we're getting, um, we're basically would just be getting a longer version of that scene from Age of Ultron where she talks about her backstory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the second, the second option is it's set between the was set during the five years when everyone's been snapped. Now I like that idea, but I wish it would came out. Yeah, I wish that was the movie that had just came out, and yeah. Endgame was where Far From Home was, and Far From Home was early next yeah. year. Um, yeah, because we, like, we talked just before. Well, I mean, I was going to say last week, but it's like an, what an hour ago. Yeah, about my reorder of Phase, and I agree phase with three. that now. And it's this. like, and I said, yeah, um, the we need a a, a, a Hawkeye Ronan film. I said, whatever his plotline is going to be in Endgame, I wish it was its own movie, which I kind of do. And you could do a Black Widow Hawkeye movie, which is her sort of leading the Avengers post-snap and looking for Hawkeye at the same time. And we see Hawkeye going off and doing this thing That's, and then yeah. end it with when they meet in Japan. I want to see that movie so yeah. bad, but not like it needed to come out between. Yeah, that would have been so, like. We needed, yeah. we needed a post-snap movie. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. Uh, so the third idea that- Well, I mean, every movie now is post-snap. Well, you know, in between. Every movie that between, ever comes out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the third idea that I would have for a Black Widow movie, which is kind of the one I hope they do now, is it's set after Endgame and much and like she's people- she's just dead the whole time. Much like people were saying Gamora isn't dead, she's just in the Soul Stone. Maybe Black Widow's in the Soul Stone and the culmination of Black Widow and Gamora being in a film or in the same place together is would tie into Guardians of the Galaxy 3 where they're obviously looking for Gamora by the yeah. impl- implied by the end of this film. Yeah, but then at the same time it's like- I don't want those deaths to be reversed. I uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm just saying, like yeah, and also like, why is my Black Widow movie a like space? So weird, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like it makes sense to be a you know, operative kind of you know whatever, yeah. whatever Russian KGB kind of film. I can't figure how that would work. Yeah, I it's mean, so I'm sure weird. we'll get some kind of confirmation or like you know some vague comment from Kevin Feige soon when it, when when it's public knowledge that Black Widow's dead. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, so what else are we getting? The Eternals, which is like, again, like a space-centered film, going to feature Marvel's first openly gay 
um, lead. Played by Joe Russo, same guy. <laughs> we only have one in the universe. <laughs> um, but yes, that's uh, Camille Nanjiani and um, possibly Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. And um, the Shang- <laughs> they must have great chemistry. <laughs> Such a bizarre. And um, Shang Chi as well. Yeah, they're doing, which is they're going to be their first Asian American one uh, or like Asian lead. But um, which is interesting because it's, and I've I've seen. I saw an interesting like Reddit thread where someone was talking about them. They're like, "I'm Asian, and I'm annoyed that the first Asian superhero is just real good at martial arts." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Like, like that's his power. Well, we had um, Mantis is played by an Asian woman. Yeah, there you go. Rowan's looking at me like you can't say that. <laughs> she is. She's an Asian character. Yeah. Yeah. She's is, a bug. Okay, bu- you saying all Asians are bugs? No, that's, people? that's a good question. Is yeah. it more about the actors playing them or the race of the character itself? Yeah. Because so both like, are equally valid, I think. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that'd be interesting, Shang-Chi. Um, uh, and then what else is wrong? We're going to get Guardians 3 at some point. But it's kind of interesting. Like, we don't, beyond Far From Home, like, in, in a couple of months' time, we're not going to know what the next Marvel movie is, even though it'll be like six to nine months away. Mm. Um, because the, the, you can go on and look at like Marvel's dated their films to like 2022. Like there's there's this day a Marvel movie is coming out, um, and yeah. presumably as well there'll be a Doctor Strange two and a Black Panther two. Yeah, and an Ant Man three. Yes, thank God for Ant Man three. Oh my gosh, um, I was oh, I was worried there. I thought you were going to say it. Um, so we talked how it's uh, the Janet Van Dyne problem that she's in the quantum oh, yeah. zone for quantum realm for thirty years and doesn't seem bothered by it. If Ant Man was in the quantum realm for five years and it was only five hours to him, does that mean that Janet Van Dyne was only in the quantum realm for thirty hours? Yeah, uh, like you, they should have just cast Catherine Zeta Jones <laughs> and been like, yeah, she's been in there and what? she. Uh, but maybe Paul Rudd did age five years. He just yeah, doesn't yeah, look yeah, that yeah. different. Um, so it's only it's five. Paul Rudd, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's only five hours, but he ages yeah. faster because because time got pushed through him. Rega- regardless, regardless, yeah, uh, they needed to mention that in Ant Man and the Wasp. <laughs> yeah, but um, it is funny as well. You mentioned that, and this was one of those things I thought would annoy you as well. Is when um, uh, when they meet when Scott comes to the Avengers compound and is like, oh, five years ago, right before the Thanos, I was in the quantum realm and I only just got out, and Black Widow's like. I'm sorry, Scott. That must have been difficult five years. I would have been like, oh, fuck. Are you? Holy shit. How are you still speaking to us? Okay, but they have suffered a decimation. So, like, other things are going on. Yeah. And she can see by his. No, but five years. Five years in the quantum zone. Uh, maybe no. Okay. Imagine being no, on your own for five no, years. No, here's, in an the, here's void. the thing, though. Here's the thing: is that they see evidence of his character before they find that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're readjusting for yeah. like if someone he's been in the quantum zone for five years, I'd go and talk to that person. Like, hey, Scott, my name's AJ. Um, yeah, but it's just like, funny that she's just like, oh yeah, that must be hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Done. Uh, I think I almost am. This is, oh, I, I can't believe it. I just want to keep talking because it feels so weird being over. And like rewatching this with you, AJ, has been a really special experience. And it's um, seeing me slowly convert from one side of yeah, my it care actually, for Yeah, it has been other. really, yeah. And definitely rewatching every single film before Endgame is the way to watch it. Oh, my God. I'm so glad I did. Yeah. Like, who would have thought I had to watch Thor The Dark World to yeah. understand I, I love the, like, power move of making their worst <laughs> film. It was so important. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, 
Yeah, well, although I, I did, I, I've like, because I've seen it three times now, and I'm trying to like go through and tick off every single movie and see if there's a reference to it. And I, I can't find one to The Incredible Hulk. I mean, Ross is there at Stark's funeral. I'd say that, yeah, that's. Yeah, that counts, but there's no like fun little payoff. Yeah, still ignoring Whereas almost Hulk. every other film has one. Did you see that post on Reddit recently that someone reordered all of Marvel movies into chronological order and they forgot like, Incredible Hulk? Yeah, yeah, by, <laughs> but like by scene. Yeah, by so scene. So it was like with like time codes, watch this part of this yeah, movie yeah. first and then, yeah. Um, cool. Well, hey, look, we we are going to do a, a little thing now where we talk about what the next franchise we are doing is. However, if you have made it this far and if you have enjoyed it and if you're a new listener and have inexplicably made it this far... Um, Please find us on iTunes, find us on Facebook, find us on YouTube, subscribe, follow, like, share, Twitter, Instagram, email us at coltpopshamedia at gmail.com. And also, uh, this is our last film franchise, Fortnite's. Ever. Bye. (laughs) This is the end game. Um, This is our last film franchise, Fortnite's, as an independent podcast, because the next episode of film franchise, Fortnite's, in two weeks, will be part of the Little Empire podcast network, which we are going to talk about at the start of next week's off week episode um so what better franchise richard to kick off our new like our tenure as a as a as a signed podcast Um, i can't wait for you to tell me bring it on bring it on here it is okay (laughs) so this was a patreon vote so we we asked patrons to suggest a franchise we put up a few stipulations this time we're like please don't make it something real alienating and weird since we're gonna probably get a little a small influx of new listeners and also please don't um we wanted it to be i feel like the most alluring episodes of our podcast is when we cover beethoven or earbud or you know the films that aren't ones that every other podcast in the world is covering right so the the winner was actually one that we suggested <laughs> on the franchise vote and that is as you said the bring it on series of six yeah, yeah. films bring it on tell me what it is the cheerleader bring it on series oh it actually is bring it on it actually is bring it on oh my god i was just saying the phrase mm. our second peyton reed franchise in a row <laughs> god damn it <laughs> god damn it i thought i was done with you reed Do you know what I wanted to do for um, the post-credit scene of this episode? What I wanted to be like, hey Richard, here's the the ultimate useless statistic of every film, every franchise we've done in which the MCU is the second example of thing <laughs> happening. But I came up with that, that idea mid us watching Endgame, and I was trying to think. Of, I was like, okay, Renee Russo's in Lethal Weapon. All right, and then I got to <laughs> Ace Ventura, and I was like. I can't think of one. And then, and then, I, then I got to um, to Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights. I was like Walton Goggins. Okay. Then I got to the Mummy, and I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> no one from the Mummy is, is alive anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sorry. This is the post credit scene, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you have patience, and this is the payoff. Yeah. Is, is this little moment? All here. right. The the idea of um, this post credit scene is the idea of what a better post credit scene could have been. Yeah. That's it. Cool. We did it. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 